This week on Fear to Obsidian, we are talking chapters 31 to 36 of Lightbringer. We recommend that you have read to this part of the book. Please note that this episode contains discussions of death and violence, as well as strong language. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a sick episode of Pay to Obsidian. Uh, we are joined by Badger today for our traumatic episode. Um, as always, I am Crescent, joined by Skipper. Hello. Going out of order today. Yeah, you're all over the place. It's all I'm, good. I'm, I'm busted. So I'm going to start... I'm drinking a hot toddy, because I am mangled. Yeah. All right, so Crescent's got the hot toddy, because he's like, what do you have, Badger? What are you drinking? Well, I'm starting with a um, Crown Royal apple-flavored whiskey, which is actually really good. It um, won, in like, Worlds one year, didn't it? Uh-huh. And then mm -hmm. I went with the Bold Rock in on top of that to Ooh, make the nice. bold rock a little bit drier because I like a dry cider. So I'm going to start with that and then I'm going to go Woodford Reserve Double Oak. Look at you guys. After. Oh, um, yeah. All the choices. I am drinking sour grapes uh, in honor of our boy getting poisoned. I know it's not actually with grapes or anything, but feel felt in the Red <laughs> Rising universe that grapes would be what it would be. Um, yeah. And then I have, again, what I drank last week. I have, again, which is Pinky Swear, because this time around, there is promises being made. There is. I just imagine Virginia and Lysander Pinky swearing that they're going to live up to their ends of the parlay, so... That's what I've got. They, they use uh, their little, their little um, formalities. Yeah. There. Mm -hmm. So that's as good as a pinky promise. Yeah. For gold. <laughs> For them. Yeah. Yeah. They're... And then uh, Lysander's got Virginia by the sour grapes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. I had to explain to my son why they kept saying balls. He's like, why does she have his balls? <laughs> oh, children. Seven year olds are awesome. <laughs> the nuances of things. <laughs> fantastic. That's hilarious. Uh, well, before we jump in today, I want to bring up something that was very decisive in the den this week. Um, whole fight broke out on Monday about it. And I know the two of you, yep. Crescent and I are aligned, but Crescent is way stronger in opinion, as he always is. And Badger, you sit on the other side. And this is... I do the, the correct side. We are going that's, to uh, That's false. Diomedes' daddy, does he become 
daddy meaty, daddy o meaties, or daddy meaties. Is there an O involved in this? It's it's not daddy o meaties. It's daddy o meaties. Daddy o meaties. So like it flows, <laughs> but you have to bring the O. A daddy has to bring the, the O. And you gotta cut the D's down some to do it in order for it to not become daddy o. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yes. Ugh. Yeah, it's not Daddy O. <sighs> I, it, it, but it, we have to police people like so hard if that's going to be the case because I cannot stand. Well, I cannot. It cannot become Daddy O. Like let you me. can't can't do that to Diomedes. I'm going to bring up for half a second. We do have um, Bond pronunciation, and you guys, I'm going to try and play this through the soundboard. So let's see. The word we're looking for is Daddyomedes. Daddyomedes. <laughs> where you Sorry, drop the jaw yeah. significantly. <laughs> which which probably You're opening is... the jaw with the O. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other one we have, and this has to be in two parts, so this is sweets. Based off your Oh no, don't do oh. it. <laughs> so you can say Okay, so that was... based off your logic, Skipper, the reason the O is so you can say, "Daddy, oh, 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 me," <laughs> which is my fault that I did bring that up. That that was my doing, and I apologize for that. Thanks. I hate it. <laughs> um. Yeah, this was a giant debate that divided the den. We got almost yeah, everyone I, I lobbed, in. I lobbed a grenade that was disguised <laughs> as a can of food into the trenches of this of this war. Um, that was, I, I mean, I think it spanned a good two hours. Yeah. At least. Yes, it did. Like, almost exactly two hours. Yeah. Yes. Um, we also got some fan art. So I will say that the reason this is happening is because Salem is making a t-shirt for Daddy Diadmedes and needed to know what we all wanted. Um, I will spoil just a little bit for that is that both versions are coming. And I was like, this is a Steve versus it's Steve Goose versus Goose Bucket all over again. You can't just release the one because you're going to piss off half. So that is what's coming. But we also got um, some other. That's our kickball teams. Are... Those are our kickball teams at, at HC <laughs> that, next year. That'll be the oh, most yeah. confusing. Like, hold on, hold on. I don't know if I can pass to you. What, is there an O there? Is that. <laughs> we'll just color cut them. Yeah, it's fine. And then uh, I sent you guys the other fan art we got, and this will appear on the screen now, is these are from Stinger, who, okay, so then we started into the daddy-o, got to Oakley Doakley, like um, Ned Flanders, so diddly begets diddly begets diddly. <laughs> <laughs> Daddyomedes, in which because his argument, Daddyomedes, it sounded like an Irish sailor. Daddyomedes, uh, a daddy is nothing before the storm. 
Um, other people were saying it sounded like a drug, like a prescription drug. So he did create uh, a like prescription handle with care. And of course, then our den pharmacist put it on an actual prescription bottle because she was at work during all of this. And what else is she going to do? So that's the update of this week in the den. Uh, join us in the Howler's Den for all of the absolute nonsense. Yeah, and if you want to chime in on this ridiculousness. Yeah, that's hearkening back to like original chaos. So, yeah. So this week the old was... old magic. Mark- yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, do not cite the old magic to me. Um, yeah, it was the den's one year anniversary. A birthday, I guess, this week. And uh, I don't know, Monday was the 13th. So it was just a couple days after the after the actual birthday that we really popped off the uh, the old fashioned chaos. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Some good times in there. Uh, We've been through a lot because the other thing we'll bring up now talk about the den is Badger. You launched just in September on the great rat war which was crazy you want to talk about it? yeah gym rat war i'm actually wearing mm-hmm. i didn't put it i'm wearing oh, yeah, my emperor tour so this is we're gonna we get to talk about rat legion a whole lot but there it is that. minute hell yeah right 2023 so Tune that wide ass back I don't know. I've got Thrax aspirations, that's for sure, but I'm I'm a little bit too lithe for that, but I can try. Certainly can try. Um, so I don't even know. We there's been there's always a lot of chatter because as you know, in the den we have a um a fitness thread, like sub thread channel, whatever the technical term would be. So and so I just made good on um, people circling back and back and back again to wanting to do some sort of group fitness activity. Um, and I custom custom made something. I'm a trainer. I'm a trainer and a yogi and a behavior specialist and psychology background. So I put all the things together. And created a very holistic, um, multidisciplinary challenge that just about anybody could drop in and participate in. And as it turned out, we had 121 people sign Holy up. Shit. Yeah, that, that was like significant. We had people coming in um, from the far reaches of the internet, somebody posted it on Reddit. And of course that pulled a bunch of people in. I think in one day we had 30 something people join because I created a promo video using generative AI and um, posted it. And then Lit Escalates was kind enough to repost it. So it got a lot of traction Yeah, and uh, people came in and, and really it was a great month. It was a, it was a testament to the community and the OG people within the community and the spirit of the community, the way that people came in and really wanted to engage with one another as 
like teammates, peers, friends, and see each other through a very big goal because um, we had individual goals and a big group goal that we were trying to achieve. So um, it lives on and we will re- we will do it again. But um, I'm just sending out like all of the gear now. I'm, we did shirts. There's shirts, of course. There's merch. There's all kinds of prizes. Um, and and really, you know, we'd love to see it. I think continue to grow because yeah. it was a cool way to pull people into the den. Different different reason for people to come into the den and and stay. And we I think we got like mm-hmm. some really good people that that have now integrated themselves into the community out of that. Yeah. So, well, one of my favorite things to see was the buddy system that popped up and Mm -hmm. who some of the buddies were, where I was like, have you even talked to each other? And they were then holding each other accountable. Like was one of the really cool things of people. I think some of it just came from people being like, I need a buddy. And someone else is like, Hey, I also need a buddy. And I think you paired a couple people, but it was just fun to see who, who was talking more to each other than we do. Because I mean, the den now is 700 strong was 600 back then so not a a fair amount and not everyone talks to everyone just because it would be near impossible so that was really cool was that system that came out yeah i'm interact i would love i would i would love to do it again and make it even more inclusive like there's more there's more ways always so you know um i want to shout out light who took some of the structure of the gym rat war and is now doing a version of that for writers, like a challenge for writers that runs concurrent with NaNoWriMo. And, um, and that was always sort of the idea was that it, the, this challenge idea, this accountability idea, this live for more ethos that exists in the books um, is something that can apply to any sort of healthy, holistic, yeah. forward, progressive area of your life. So, or, I mean, if we wanted to get really chaotic with it, we could, I'm sure it could turn it into a drinking challenge too. Oh yeah, we could. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I did sober September during it, but we could make it also the opposite of a drinking challenge. We could do that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's balanced, right? I yeah. also um, I can do handstands and and meditate for long times and journal every day, and I also like to dunk my Oreos in whiskey. It's, so it's a balance. It's self care. It's all good. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, the writer is good. Call it on that one. It's really cute seeing them all. Um, first, they've got in their names, you can see how many words they've written, a lot of them, and what their end goal is. I love that. And also it's, I think it's like every day, like I want to say eight o'clock, they all go into voice comms and like talk about like, um, though they don't talk, isn't it that they're doing writing sprints together? So I'm, I'm doing it too. Okay, you're, Cause I, yeah, I'm, I'm writing a book. There's also that, but, um, uh, yeah. So it's, not every day, but almost, I would say like three or four days a week, we do a 10 minute sprint and then we debrief afterwards. So we get together and we have the accountability of writing at the exact same time together for 10 focused minutes and then debrief. Yeah. I love that. 
super cool. Yeah, there's yeah, so that's many awesome. fun facets that come out of the den that I don't think any of us, I don't think Salem ever imagined that this is what it would be. Um, and, you know, huge shout out to her for creating this, giving us this space to do these things. It's been amazing. It's like a Life whole changing. world. Yep. Yeah. It's a whole world. It's a whole community. Like, y'all are all very, you live in my phone and you live in my phone. <laughs> but we're besties, IRL. And yeah. um, the whole den is like a world. And each of the different threads are like shops that you go into. And sometimes you go into the shop more frequently than others. And then look at who's there. These people live in this this little shop. Yeah. I, ne I never go into that shop over there. But hey, they, there's a whole other group of people that does. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah. There's, to see. there's basically no part of the den that doesn't get heavy use. Yeah. Because we have this discussion as Pegasus Legion whenever someone's like, can we have a new channel? It's often a like, okay, <laughs> if we're giving a new channel, is there one that can go away? And it, no, because even like now in basically the winter eos garden which is for gardening still is getting used even though like most people aren't actually gardening <laughs> like there is no point that i think goes ever like more than a week without use i looked cool. the other day because somebody was like oh sometimes people d don't know contact like lose the context and they get like like low-key upset like and then they need to have somebody come in and explain the context and i was like Hello, just in comms alone, there's yeah. 400,000 messages. Yeah. 400,000 messages. <laughs> I know. I thought that there would be more. It's 400,000. Oh my God. Um, we're going to have to keep an eye on that because so that puts us at if we keep on growing and that we stay at the same or increase usage somewhere around second anniversary we should be at a million somewhere around there um Damn, whoever writes channel. the millionth comment what are they getting what are they getting personalized bottle like <laughs> <laughs> all right someone i don't know how we're ever going to remember to track that we'll have to once Come we get some close, system. somebody's gonna have to have to eagle eye it. Yeah, we'll just sit, sit around watching. That's so funny. Um, that's I feel funny. like that's gonna be a skipper job. Uh, it's always my job to sit and randomly. It'll be a Merlot here. job. You're just that's always such here. a Merlot job. Can't we Orion it? Surely we can automate that, right? Like, can't we get yeah. a bot to do that? Let me ask. That's Enigma. a good possibility. I bet you Enigma would be on top of that. Enigma is all of our tech in the... He's, he's the greenest of greens. He's the green. Um, Pusher may also know if Enigma does not know. All right. I'm trying to figure out how many O's are in a million. I don't know why I didn't just say one M, but there's my note. I love it. <laughs> Six zeros. Yeah, I just had to put the, I, had to fig I figured it out. I know math, maybe. Um, yeah. Today is a momentous day. Everybody put this shit on your calendars. <laughs> that I know math? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Well, on that note, shall we jump in to what's brought us all to the den? Some Red Rising, some Lightbringer, some reading. I don't know. I don't know if that fits the whole vibe of the podcast. Um, <laughs> we can do it. We again. try it out. Do yep. Yeah, let's we'll let's give it a shot. We'll see. see how it goes. Yeah. I'm already uh, one drink in. Let's go. It's fine. Yeah. I'm I'm done my hot toddy. I'm now on straight scotch. There you go. That's the spirit. Uh, I was told tonight to actually do an oyster pearl, which is basically like vodka and egg yolk, and I declined that. that I is... do not blame you. No sugar? No. It's got pepper, Worcestershire. Pepper. Worcestershire. Oh, You're supposed savory. to put like... <laughs> You're supposed to put like Tabasco sauce, and I was like, no, none of this mm. sounds good. Um, it is the battle of influence of words and whiskey were trying to convince me into this, and uh, to know. Were they digging through like esoteric 50s drinks? Like, what was going on with them? I don't know. I was like, what am I supposed to drink? And the Crossland's like, oyster, oyster pearl. Oyster pearl. And I was like, we, we, not talking, we haven't talked about pearl clubs in some time. Yeah, that. What? I don't know if there's any reference left to a Pearl Club in Lightbringer. If there All is, the, there, there's be. one in Chapter 3. And that's it. That's it. No and Chapter 10. Oh, yeah, because... 10 or 11. Crescent when... has been looking up the Pearl Clubs for some other things that might be coming down the pipeline. Yeah, there's definitely no merch related. No, nope. nothing. Not at all. Uh, no, we're not... doing a lingerie line. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my god. I mean, we do have rose garden sweatpants. Why not? Mine are in the That's mail. That's the lingerie for men. So I guess we need ladies lingerie too. <laughs> yeah, I finally finally ponied up and, and ordered mm. some more den merch and rose garden sweats on it. Nice. I'm waiting I'm gonna for make... Black Friday. Which, so we'll do it. Let's, do let's it. procrastinate even longer. Um, <laughs> I, for Black Friday, this is coming out the Wednesday before Black Friday to Cyber Monday. HowlerHollow.net will have a Black Friday promotion, sale. I'm in retail. Sale. I knew what these words are. Um and if you are watching on YouTube right now, will be an advertisement via Salem. If you're not watching on YouTube, you just get to hear my voice telling you that there will be a sale on Black Friday. Um, but, Highly uh, recommend popping over to YouTube yeah, for this. Yeah. Uh, First of all, helps us. Second of all, uh, you get to see the ad. You get to see the ad, which is all of the cool Bone Rider merch. Um, there's some other... Dark Star Conservatory. Yeah. I love that there's, one. There's some great stuff coming down the pipeline from HowlerHollow.net. Because it is Black Friday, Redbubble will almost always do sales. I remember the other day it was like 20% off. Um, so go get our merch. I'm wearing the I'm here for not relationships, but spaceships shirt from our Redbubble account. Um, yeah. And I am wearing You're nothing all about escalates. You're all, which no. they've got. Oh, you've got. I've got Link's Pegasus Legion shirt. Yeah. I've got the 
the Howler Pegasus Legion jacket, and then I've got my gold hat. Hey, I have Slink's uh, Rat, oh, Legion the Rat Legion pin. pin. Yes, Hell because yeah. we will not be leaving this podcast without talking about Rat Legion. Oh, as we get to, we promise. We promise. She says, wearing a rat skull pendant. Yes. Oh I my god. It. I can't wait. I love it. We love Rat Legion. Well, Pierce! Pierce! At some point. Or Pierce's handlers. Make sure the man sees this. We need more Rat Legion. We need yes. more Rat Legion Honestly, lore. And we need I a would... whole book of Rat Legion. Yeah. yeah, I would kill for like a novella of the Rat War. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. And I'm going to say it again when we talk about it later. Yeah. <laughs> well, yep. let's jump in now because we can actually talk i mean we don't talk we are doing 31 to 36 we are extending a little bit we get that extra chapter in this chunk because i have one against the patreon i do yeah, have the you're welcome patreon power. i have the veto power if i really want um so we threw 36 in there but we can talk we can't pat talk past 36 but we can talk prior to 36 in which we they talk a lot about what happened in rat war because a lot of the people we're seeing were there and then have to use yep. those tactics so let's just jump in there so how are we feeling previous to this and including let's go in with the rat war we're gonna rat use the rat legion. war as a place rat legion as a play uh, as, yeah. as a jump let's, off point let's do it yeah. that's what you're most excited for so let's do it Oh my god. So yeah. Let's let's roll back to like chapter twenty seven or twenty six when we get yeah. to when we get to actually learn the rat war. Yeah. Learn some um, tactics. Right. Oh, are are you talking about with the um obsidians? Talking yeah, yeah talking of uh Valdir. Okay, we had we had a or a reference we had a reference to it even before. Do you remember the reference when Atlas is at, um, is it when he's wearing the blue wig and he's watching the play and he was like, I was there for the rat war. Blah. Right. Like it even makes Atlas shudder. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, we get B A D not good. Right. Um, and then we have the, I, I heard you guys talking about this with, um, hurricane. It was great. Um, I think that episode was really, really well done the the tactics of going in and creating psychological trauma obsidians. <laughs> i yeah. oh god yeah yeah but i think something that's really interesting about the rat war that we keep getting alluded to you know it it's not the gold no yeah over and over and over again this is the terrain for all the other colors to excel yeah to really show different tactics that work just unilaterally um to create the biggest roadblocks biggest sieges biggest bloodbaths uh most amount of psychological damage just phenomenal phenomenal lore the writing like this one facet of the second 
part of this trilogy, uh, or I guess this tetralogy is whatever. Quadrilogy. Whatever the word. Quadrilogy. Saga. Quadrilogy. (laughs) Whatever it is. Yeah. um, Maybe I should commit that to memory sometime to sound smart. But anyways. um, (laughs) Knowing every term for it, I think, sounds smarter than knowing one term for it. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Um, So, or just pretending like you know and faking it till you make it. But anyways. um, Coolest writing device possibly in the entire series maybe that's what i'm trying to get at yeah how like he has created for us this immersive layered deeply and profoundly impactful experience of knowing that something happened off page yeah that we just like honed in on and so many people just cannot get enough of it i love that it's so cool what an amazing accomplishment as a writer in my opinion yeah to have something that's like it's such a small amount of page time but people are just like yeah give me more yeah i need all of it yeah like all of the badasses of all of on both sides are like the rat war. It is the boogeyman of yeah. the first part of the war against the society, big time. Like, okay, yeah, they dropped all the nukes on the, on Luna. Okay, great. Oh yeah, all of these things happened to free these people here on Mercury. Okay, great. Okay, Atlas is over here impaling people. Nobody gives a shit, <laughs> but they yeah. do give a shit about the rat war. <laughs> Yeah, it and, is the uh, it's the shiver-inducing nightmare fuel yeah. for yeah. the hardest killers in the system. Yeah, and the what did what did Virginia say? She says like some of the most hardened generals from the Rat War got special dispensation to basically come up here and kick your ass, Lysander. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was uh, you know, she, basically she tells Lysander that Rat Legion's on Phobos. And he goes, no, Rat Legion's on Mercury. And she basically tells him, no, no, no. Rat Legion's here. And it's the baddest motherfuckers. The ones that earned their release. Mm-hmm. Earned their uh, their time off from the front. And they mm-hmm. want your head. Of which... Like, that is, Polly is one, is she not? Polly fought in the rat war, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. And then we've got Valdir. Didn't yep. right? Screw. Yep. Yep. Did Thraxa? You have to imagine. I would assume. Because she lost yeah. limbs somehow. <laughs> yeah. Who's missing limbs? <laughs> Let's just Everyone. Yeah. At point. one point or another. Usually a My... My dead persona of Badger is a gray. Yeah. Out of reverence for the Rat War and the grays that fought in the Rat War alongside of all of the other. I just I just thought I just thought to myself that Badger the Gray would come in and have maybe like explosives yeah. like background and oh, yeah. uh that's how she would dig people out to get, that. yeah. And so, anyways, 
Yeah. Love the rat war. Please give us more rat war peers. <laughs> someone, and I think and you I, talked about this at some episode or whatever, someone's idea was, because we've got the Sons of the Berries graphic novels, give us a rat war graphic novel. Yeah. Or, right? Like, anything. Yeah, Anything, novella, honestly. but like a rat war graphic novel would, I feel like, lend itself really well. Though, <laughs> would be a little. It'd be a lot of blood. <laughs> yep. Some blood everywhere. It's just, it's just a book that's red. <laughs> Nothing else to it. It's just red. It's just red. Oh, every page. Oh, oh, you know what it needs to be? It needs to be like one of those children's, an adult version of the children's book, like the pull. The, uh, oh yeah, tab. like a little like, tab book. You pull and somebody explodes apart. You push a button and it's the Obsidian War Champ. Oh my god! Fuck yeah, I have never heard a better idea for anything ever. Delray, call us Delray. Yeah, I've got to put this in up. motion. Delray called us. Oh Real. my god, that would be amazing. Um, yeah, so great. Yeah, I mean, and it. It really is, I feel like, this sets the whole tone for all three of the books. That even in, you know, Iron Gold, we hear all about it, Dark Age, that we see the monstrosities happening, especially in Dark Age. And the fact that, like, the Rat War is what they constantly go back to. It is, as you say, the boogeyman. Like, yeah. it has set this high precedence. And I wonder then, with the threats that Virginia makes to Lysander of Rat Legions here if we are setting up for Red God and if we will have perhaps a return I would fucking love that. of the Rat Legion mm. in Red God. Yeah. I mean, every so every once in a while they'll drop, you know, because there's other, other casual, like a Red here and they'll be like, oh yeah, that Red there is like, he was part of Rat Legion, whatever. And, um, I would love to see in an, in a rat legion ensemble. Like, yeah. give me the a full cast. Let me wrap my head around it. Let me see what they do on page. It doesn't have to be a rehashing of what did happen. Yeah, save that for the novella. Save that for the yeah. The, yeah. the pull tab book. But like, let's see what they do in this context. Yeah. Yeah. Rat sure. legion assemble. <laughs> exactly. Lyria's brothers, rat legion. Because they were on Mercury, were they not? They yeah, on it's not it's specifically said. Okay. Um, yeah. They're snipers, so probably not. Mm, okay. Isn't um, is the the red that like is like really not wanting to let Darrow board the Archimedes to go on the little like side quest with Cassius? Um, isn't that? Isn't doesn't he mention is that like a rat legion, a rat war veteran possibly as well? It's like it's it's yeah. ever since from Iron Gold on, it's it's just so casually referenced yeah. here and there. So that's why I think so he's good. ramping up for something. I mean, it also gives them the out of why the one side has this like seasoned vets is because so it's not totally like, you know, it might not come out of as anything, but I feel like he's talked about it so much that we gotta yeah. get something. They I'm wear their, their little rat but... necklaces. Like, we don't know why, but they wear their rat skull necklaces. Why do they wear their rat... Sneaky, sneaky bombs. 
that they always yes. have on them. Uh, yeah. So that that red that does not move out of the way, um, it just says there's a lone red with dark skin and narrow eyes bars my path. His crooked lantern jaw is set in an anger I know far too well. His ham fists okay. balled at his side. He glares up with rage three times okay. too big. Okay, not right. It's I think it may be maybe it's the ones that are in Dark Age that he sets as the snipers. They're maybe they're the rat. rat no, so the, the no, those are Lyrius brothers. Yeah. Are the okay. snipers? Yeah. Her yeah her her twin brothers and her brother in law. Yeah. For the end of Rat War, you sent off a whole bunch I, of shirts. And I did. I did. Name what did you the all? What did you all send out? Badges. Actually, hold on. I'll show you. Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh. And oh here it is. So only the people who won Jim the the top placements in Jim at War got the red like I'm wearing. And they I'm Imperator. We had um two legatuses and legati and um one praetor. And they all got red shirts. And then everybody else got a gray shirt. But we also had some um, special categories that people could win, like the total amount of volume lifted or the amount of daily steps taken, stuff like that. Those people got a rat. Oh, that's, that's awesome. adorable. That's amazing. made this. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. We love Grandma Badger. <laughs> 90-year-old lady just crocheting rats for my friends in different parts of the country or other countries. And uh, and then a slink-designed badge. Nice round. We had the Minotaur campaign. Yeah. Sweets and I came up with a... Sweets is the idea factory when it comes to Red Rising-related themed stuff. Yep. And Sweets came up with a uh, some some themed ideas. We already know what the second Gym Rat War is going to be, by the way, like the theme of it. This one was the Minotaur campaign. We took down the Minotaur. The next one, can't tell you. But there is going to be a second one. So all of y'all listening, if you want to join and one day get, you know, mm-hmm. stuff sent to you, by me, then be on the lookout for the next year at war. But you can get stuff sent to you by y'all yeah. monthly. Now I'm like, yeah, so buy I've, a crescent. Yeah, Skipper doesn't know how the post office works. No, um, I'm convinced I'm never going to see that book. No, I just bought Crescent a book because uh, Christopher Paulini uh, was at my store, and I was like, "You want a signed copy? You're never getting it. I just own now yeah. a signed copy." Yeah. Um, but yeah, for $5 US a month, you could have a personalized novel written on a postcard sent to your howler name. Yeah. Because that's the only way we refer to people in the den. Uh, well, we anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels weird. It does. Yeah. It just feels unnatural. To... Yeah. I like, I have to actively think about what your government name is. Yeah. I wouldn't want to. It creeps me out. I know, right? Yeah, no government It's It's here. slowly taking over. Like, even my sister sent me a package the other day, and she addressed it to Badger. <laughs> I love Damn. that. I Damn. love that for you. That is amazing. Me too. 
If only I can yeah, get so. Pierce, Pierce to adhere to that, it would be great. <laughs> One day. Yeah. 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 Uh, so yes. yeah, if you uh, if you want to get a postcard, pop on over to uh, the Fade to Obsidian Patreon and yeah. take a look. Yeah. So the five dollars two dollars two dollars gets you in for everything. Plot the postcard. Yeah. Yeah. So our five dollars, a hundred dollars. I'll think about sending you one. I'll consider it. It's a guilt trip. What you're paying is a hundred dollars for me to feel very guilty that I'm not sending that postcard is what that is. But $5 gets you Crescent postcard, but $2 gets you access to tons of stuff. We've got a channel specifically in the den for everybody to hang out in. We did the 10 hour live stream. Oh God. Um, which that was epic and very enjoyable by the way. We have just uh, like Thank discussed you. doing it again, but it would have to be virtual for right now but yeah. we'll probably november december maybe <laughs> january because i'm retail we'll find a day tell everybody and we'll do <laughs> another virtual 10 hour live stream it really stoked me out to know that you guys were hanging out together again kind of in that vein of like hey this isn't just us hanging out on the internet with the people living in my phone these are real people with real lives like knowing that you guys were in each other's presence um, almost was like I was vicariously back at HowlerCon. Yeah, it felt. I gave yeah. me some feels. Loved it. Yeah. Well, and it was a lot of fun because we had throughout the day, like I think ma we maxed out at probably twelve people were in chat, but people kept coming in, dropping out. Like nobody needed to stay yeah. the full ten hours, depending on what we were doing. Like it was so much fun. So we're gonna not in per well i mean who knows i'll keep watching for flights if there's another cheap flight to saskatoon i'll take it i just had um, i just had one show up for uh toronto i'm always here between january and april so we'll oh, see yeah that's a wide gap yeah um but yeah and then we have other things gaming live streams yeah so at the moment uh you just did four hours of Baldur's gate how did that go Crescent? i did uh, very good. Uh, did you end up having to block out the sex scene um, that we you know I, encountered? I did not bother to, if I'm being honest. Oh, well, I we're, edited we're right all in. of your things together and went, this is four hours. I don't care about the sex scene. So there is a sex scene somewhere yeah. in there. It's, it's a video game, YouTube. It's not going to flag it. Yeah. It'll be fine. Uh, yeah, it was much more, uh involved than I was expecting than any of the other ones that I had seen. Nice. So I'm just sitting there with like three people or four people in chat. I'm just like, this is, <laughs> this is not entirely what I expected. It did not fade to obsidian. Yeah. It did not fade. Oh, that's so good. I'm so sorry. Oh, it wasn't that bad. We were we were having a giggle about it. That yeah. is so good. Oh my gosh. Tell me, can you give me the hook? Like, what's the one-liner on Baldur's Gate? Because Tom's 2 is basically Baldur's Gate light. <laughs> uh, it's it's D and D, but in a video game. Okay. Yeah, you can you can pretty much do whatever you want. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, in whatever way you can think of. People are obsessed. Yeah, it's really good. Okay. Well, join the Patreon. You can watch 
Crescent play Baldur's Gate. And you can watch me play The Sims. I have two challenges happening. One is the Rags to Riches, which is Crescent and I started with zero dollars. Actually, technically we started with 20000 so we could buy the lot. And then I threw away the rest of the money. And we took the money from the Howler's Den in theory. And Salem's real mad at us still that I threw away that money. Um, and we built it up so we fair. could own a house all through vlogging. And then the other challenge I started today and it will actually be public so anybody can watch this challenge but the patreon will get it first and the patreon i'm gonna do a whole bunch and only release them every saturday to the public patreon will have them weeks in advance so that they can chime in and give me uh what i should do next uh and it is it's it's a red rising themed challenge so each generation of people will be a different color and each color has its own ambitions careers so we're doing the red right now is manual labor uh manual labor, so gardening um has to have a big family but in a tiny home uh and then they yeah Big family, but tiny home because it's the mines. They're not allowed to leave the neighborhood because the Reds would not be able to leave the neighborhood. Uh, Are you going to make them a very poorly uh, developed garden? <laughs> right? I should Ooh. just have one little area. Oh my gosh. They have to... Woo I'm going to force it that like they're first in The Sims, what they call woohoo, because we are paid... PG in The Sims uh, will have to be in one of the bushes because that's an option in The Sims is to woohoo in a bush. It's mandatory now. Write that yep. in. Um, I'm not allowed. Apparently my phone will not uh, allow me to type the word walking without first trying to make it wanking. <laughs> so... <laughs> You've been wanking in the bushes for far Perfect. too long. I love that. Um, but yeah, we've got... So the next generation will be pink. So people are currently submitting their pink names, uh, whether that's because of the color pink. A lot of people went on Game of Thrones tangents is what's currently happening in that chat that I don't fully know why they would be called pink. But sure, whatever. Patreon gets to vote on that and the public gets to see it. So stay tuned for those and join the Patreon if you want the insider on all those and some episodes like weeks in advance. That's it. And deleted scenes from these episodes. Yeah, there's a whole chunk that you're going to get from this one. There's a whole chunk we've already deleted uh, that the Patreon will be seeing. And you will not if you are not part of our Patreon. So there you go. Um, Highly recommend. Great life choices. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful um, avenue of expending your money. It's yeah. worth every single penny. 200 pennies. If 200 US, yeah. 200 pennies US gets you in the door. <laughs> and 75 Canadian nickels. Yeah. <laughs> I will start singing Sarah McLaughlin now is what I always feel like it needs. Is the, like, in the arms of the angel. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the second time you've referenced that song. <laughs> I all the time. Whenever, whenever we're talking and I feel like I have to be like, join the Patreon. <laughs> Immediately I'm like, am I the SPCA and am I Sarah McLaughlin? <laughs> For $2 a month, you can get... Yep. 
You can yeah. feed a starving podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah. we right. are a whole ass hour into this episode. Should we talk about the chapters? Sure. Okay, the chapters start off with the most Damn it, bad badass. I'm going to just go into it. It's the most badass scene because we ended last one with the standing, the moment, the standing on Ajax's body, holding his head, just howling. And this is the scene we get kind of, it, it actually starts with Virginia, like, you know, checking on and everybody kind of, but I just, the, the one thing that I take from that chapter is Victor walking in and saying the rest of him couldn't make it, which I think is the yeah. last line of the whole thing. That it's just like the rest of him couldn't make it as she throws Ajax's head. So bad. That's 100%. That's 100% the last line of the chapter. I don't, I don't care about the rest of the chapter. I just want that line. Anyway. Yeah. What else? It's a very short chapter. chapter. Yeah. It is. It's cool. it's another three three pager. I think um, Hurricane mentioned that one of the chapters in her section mm -hmm. was three pages. Yeah. This one is also three pages. Um, something that I wrote down. My first read was um, the call out that she makes. Um. Between, we get a lot in the in this section, in the first half of this section, we get a lot of juxtaposition between Virginia yeah. or and Lysander. Or even you could say the Venn diagram. Like, she's constantly running like a Venn diagram. This is me. This is him. This is where we intersect. This is where he's way over there and I'm way over here. This is where he intersects with other people and I'm nowhere near there, right? And then, like, one of... um the things that she calls out as a major difference is that he is willing to spend an entire generation to get what he wants. And then she goes on to delineate some of the, the things that she's not willing to do and that she hasn't done thus far. And just keeping a, a check on herself. She also does a lot of a little bit later on a similar Venn diagram between herself and Darrow. Mm. Maybe uh, Mustang's just a Venn diagram curly. <laughs> I yeah. can see it. Well, I think she just overanalyzes. I don't know if it's overanalyzes, but analyzes everybody. Yeah, heavily analyzes. And what their next step is going to be, what their history is, so that she can... I mean, we know she used to do puzzles with um, Adrias. And, like, chess and all of that. But this is what it, like, okay, if this is my step, what do I know about you of what your next step is going to be? If I can read you in that, if I know, like, are you the person who's going to copy? Do we have the same ideas? Or are you going to completely come out of left field with something? Like, it feels like she does that a lot. He does do that a lot. That and and that's the exact, you know, I think calling that out specifically as you have done where she's taught where you're hearkening back to some of the setup for her character, um, with the analysis and the multi stage analysis, the projection of strategy and tactics and everything. Um, it's very interesting to see her thought process because 
in these few chapters here in the, the center part of the book, end of part two, you know, um, we're seeing her really in action for the first time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, the closest um, we get to that otherwise is, you know, Day of Red Doves and the meeting room in Morningstar. Mm-hmm. Yes. And or a little bit of her escaping from uh, Lilith and the Jackal. Yep. Oh yes, yeah. But not as a tactician, not as a, not as a, and not as a strategist. That yeah, that's that like survival. Thing. Exactly. Exactly. Good call. Um, something that I keep coming back to over and over again is trying to get a scope for what has happened because okay so we leave off with darrow cassius and several povs or darrow's pov but them and ari like um and they're beginning their trip back Mm -hmm. right and then trying to figure out and also we know that like somewhat concurrent to that because we have the Apollonius timestamp. Darrow goes in with Apollonius. Apollonius's whole game goes to shit. Yep. We see that from Lysander's POV. That's a right. timestamp. Then directly from there, he goes to Rome. He has the 200 experience timestamp. And then, okay, they're going. Yeah. And we know Darrow is also going. Yeah. So how long, how much time has it actually elapsed? And I'm trying to like, I'm always trying to like orient myself in space time with that. And I still don't have a solid answer, but I'm guessing we're looking at like, I, I think in like 17 days. Is that right? Is that anywhere? Are we anywhere close? Uh, to what? Well, so when, when Salem and I met up in Vancouver, mm-hmm. we learned that our... Our moon is about a day of travel away from the Earth. Mm-hmm. Mars is about six months. Is at it? Our current, yeah, at, at our about, current. At our current. Though, I would assume in the year. <laughs> I know yeah, they're fast. I, I know they're fast. I know they're faster than that. I think. I think there is enough reference to days. I know. I. I I've got twelve days of Phobos War. Mm. at least I'm still having I'm still not solid on how long it's taken how long it took no we should also have the timestamp of when they fired the rail guns what's what's the timestamp of when they fired the rail guns because that would be how long it took to get those we don't projectiles have a are going way faster than a ship so they could have done it after the whole fleet had left. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they they basically say like that was way too fast to be anything other than a rail slug. You know, this but is actually that big? This is still good writing. This is still again, I want to know good writing. It's specific enough to adhere to some good scientific principles and vague enough that 
we don't have to we don't have to excruciate over this, but it's still interesting. But I do wanted to n- note that at this point, I I've calculated the war over Phobos as having gone on for twelve days. Have you noted noted that? Because to me, we've got you know this is not the the section before this is not very many chat many pages. Yeah. No, it's like twenty ish pages. Yeah. Yeah, it's not very many pages, right? And as you noted, there's so much happens in those 20 pages. Yeah. But it's 12 whole days yeah. of exhausting back and forth. Yeah. And then the other note that I have for this section is the propaganda sort of reel that they have. Freedom, Hope, Reaper. Yes. Oof. Yeah. When are we getting that as a propaganda poster? I used to have an obsession yep. with World War II propaganda posters and World War One. I. I would I would like that as a propaganda poster that I can buy and mount next to my Archimedes here. A religion of hope, not doom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and we also see this is a little bit further on, but um talk about propaganda is Virginia calling on Lysander of have you seen the statue right of like playing it up of the fact of I think it's both Darrow and Orion have statues on Phobos right that these giant uh I believe that the statue she's talking about is just Darrow it's just the one she's because somewhere but yeah Darrow's is there I think Fitchner has one somewhere, but I just love the idea of, like, at all times, Darrow is just watching over his people. On the pole. They put it as, like, a marker of the North Pole. Yeah. Which I thought was an interesting placement. Like, how does that look? Like, how big is it in relation to everything else around it? Because Phobos is kind of, like, really built up anyways, right? Yeah. Did y'all... I didn't... Yep. Did you guys talk about that in the chapter leading up to the last one? I'm only halfway through the Alcatraz podcast. I don't think so. I don't think we talked about that. No, I don't believe that we did. We talked about that, though, I think, way back. Morningstar. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, again, like, Phobos is not like a ball, Mm. but it's like a spindle. It's like it's fires everywhere poking out yeah and uh so i'm wondering you know in relation to all the skyscrapers and built up like buildings on the surface of bobos where like how how does one orient with the uh the statue of darrow how big is it in relation to all those other things Mm. yeah big big i'm sure um can can you see it from space big because well, I mean, no matter where you are, you're in space, so yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so they, they talk about Phobos itself, I think, being like a two-kilometer diameter. Mm-hmm. And then the needles extend out like three kilometers in every direction. Mm-hmm. And they're not just on the surface, they're sub... They're sub... Uh, Sub they go Subterranean. down. They they basically go 
all the way through. They shoot through the entire yeah, thing. It's basically a kooch ball of yeah. powers. Mm-hmm. Aging myself there, but that's okay. Man, that's, um, it, that is a minute. That has been a minute. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's basically expanded in all directions. It's like a pin cushion. Yeah. Yeah. So I would guess that that, I would guess that that statue is like kilometers high. Yeah. Like, like one is or two it, kilometers is high. It in, like in, in relation because, to everything else, a Colossus perhaps. Yeah. Cause like yeah. it talks about how he's got this, this sphere of stuff. Right. And it's, it's the house logos off off the ships that he's destroyed, but nothing, only nothing bigger less than a dreadnought. Than, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Destroyer What's class. Current. I'm thinking of Christ the Redeemer, which is in Brazil, and I'm not gonna lie. The only reason I'm thinking about it is because um, they recently welcomed Taylor Swift by putting an image onto it. Is that the biggest in present day statue? What's the I don't statue so. on Earth right I now? I think there's some in, uh, like India I'm, and China. I'm, I'm, I'm Google. That might be bigger. The Statue of Unity. You're right in India. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Empire State Building is bigger than Christ the Redeemer. I don't know why I thought I was holding Christ the Redeemer that big. Because yeah. there's because there's nothing else tall around that statue oh rather than yes it's on the top of a hill basically in the favela yeah and that's that's kind of the same thing with some of these other ones like 182 meters 597 Mm -hmm. so that's like that's like six stories ish right which is no no a story is no 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 60 stories right yeah 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 there we go that's tall. <laughs> yeah, that is tall. that's Statue of Unity. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot, quite a few, that are. Sometimes tall. I say things. Don't ever take me for granted. Always fact check me, because I sound confident sometimes, and I don't know the, what the fuck I'm talking about. Well, and we- I will be confidently wrong, often. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, and we know that the. Didn't the gala happen at two kilometers high? Like, so they have a building that's two kilometers up is what's sticking in my mind for the gala. And the CN Tower is half a kilometer. So it'd be four times the CN Tower. I don't know what the ones in Dubai. They're a little bit taller. Um... I don't have I don't have those things memorized, but I do know that at this point, with all of the with all of the buildings as tall as they are on Phobos, I've got to imagine this thing is probably bigger than anything that we currently have. Yeah, in oh, order sure. to be like built in microgravity, right? Like yeah. So we're probably guessing two to three two to three kilometers high. We're guessing. That's yeah, like, like this. You're talking a the statue. Mile and a half. A mile and a half more than that yeah. that's cool that's cool yeah. i would to think about yeah. yeah i would i would guess that it's probably 
like nearly as tall as the tallest skyscrapers or space scrapers because they call them space scrapers. Um, space is the sky. Come on. Yeah. Orbit scrapers. Orbit yeah. scrapers. Yeah. Sounds vaguely dirty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. It does. Yeah, I just really like um, that. I mean, that's what we see from the Republic. And I keep bringing this up all through Lightbringer, my big comparison is the Republic versus the society. The Republic can manage to work together and the society cannot. So the Republic actually has that propaganda that works in their favor. Obviously the society has propaganda working along it as well, or else they wouldn't have some of the colors that we see. Like we know that the gammas are working with them. So what are they being fed? Like there is propaganda throughout that. But the Republic, as much as they are our good guys, and this is why propaganda at the end of the day absolutely fascinates me. Like, I have a propaganda poster as a tattoo. I have Keep Calm and Carry On. That is a World War II propaganda poster tattooed to my body. Um, but it is something that resonates and from, quote-unquote, the good guys. And the Republic are, quote-unquote, the good guys. And that use of propaganda is fascinating of what the Republic does. And the majority of theirs is the Reaper. And we see it as well that they use Orion for it. They use a few other people. Like they just have these big, bigger than life. Yeah. Darrow, Orion, Ragnar. Yeah, Ragnar. Yes, we end this. Yeah, I think those are probably the three, one, three biggest. I think it's in this first chapter it's Ragnar's one of these Vast chapters Hunger. is the Ragnar yes like a restaurant yeah. shout out sweets devoted... yes sweets is gonna make it for us um but it just fascinates me that the republic is using propaganda in that capacity uh because it, I don't know it's just so interesting but the society doesn't have really one person Lysander is becoming a person. They're too factionalized, yeah. Yeah, Lysander is becoming a person that the common man, quote-unquote, can believe in. But that's a very new thing in comparison to they, you know, they're, they're constantly fighting within themselves. Common gold, man. Yeah. 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 Well, and Virginia even calls it out of like, what's her comment? It's like, what's going to last longer, the society or golds? <laughs> because they're just all going to like implode on each other. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's, it's all backbiting and conniving. Mm -hmm. I think we get a breath of fresh air here in this, the first chapter, like, because, you know, we talked about the the last the last sentence but the sentence before that is talking about cicero yeah and the fact that that we ha now have the bargaining chip to get yes um our telemonus back so yeah cavax so i can't even believe that was a a 3 3 page chapter three pages. yeah I mean, I mean we're we're kind of bouncing the, around here. Yeah. Yeah. The most important part is the rest of him couldn't make it. Like I feel yeah. like that's my favorite line and not actually the pity pity them, but the rest of him couldn't make it. Like yeah, she's that's, just uh, so that's quintessential sassy. Victor. 
We love mm. Victor for it. She is just something else. Yep. And it's so good to see her get something back after what she has yes. given up. Yes. She needs her victories. Yep. Yeah. So shall we on to 32? Yes. Shall. Very interesting. So we get it first from... Uh, Mustang's point of view of the parlay and the meeting of the two sides, which I believe is the first time in this series that we see kind of a truce come out. I don't know if there's any other time where we see the two leaders meet on the field and they call out that it's only happened four times between a loon and an Augustus, which does mean they've been at war a whole bunch. I really like that Lysander gets it wrong. Yeah, of course he does. The first thing that stood out to me was um, Virginia says he's more physically intimidating than I would have thought. Mm. Or something along those lines, right? Yeah. She's seeing him and she's sizing him up taller than me than I am by a head and a half half taller than me. Yeah. He's a full-ass man in a way that she does not really want to give him, like, intellectually. She knows that he is, but emotionally, she definitely holds him as lesser than still, again, the Venn diagram. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's still the boy that would lose to her in chess. Right. But also, she fully knows that he is now grown enough to manipulate that against her and to try to manipulate her. So this felt really, this whole exchange felt really loaded, really dicey to me. Um, He is also so very clearly has mama, mama, mommy issues. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. I hate to think what would ensue were she to be captured. Like. Yep. That's all I have to say about that. Smarmy and not okay. So I thought that in the den, Dive did a great Take, uh, like going yes. part by part in this and kind of called out yeah of amazing views um i think i almost i don't have it called i should have pulled that up but i haven't exactly pulled it up but let me see if i get i have it all in my notes um the part where she calls out his theatrics Mm-hmm. Because we talked about, all right, so talking about the part that you're referencing where they're going back and forth, okay, how many times has a loon and an Augustus yeah. gone back and forth on the field of battle to negotiate? And that's where she works in the subtle jab, <laughs> right? And the subtle jab is, I thought you were a student of history, but it turns out that you're really about like the theatrics and theatricality at this point and um so what do you guys think 
about that because we get, she gets her limited point of view about the why of Lysander's movements. She only knows what she knows. She doesn't know what we know as reader. So what do you think when it comes to Lysander's whys? Do you think he actually is playing up, like, where does theatricality actually factor in for him? Oh, 100%. I think because we've seen him, I mean, he starts this whole book with the games and this idea of having to win people over. And he knows, like, I like in this, this is later where he's like, oh yeah, I'm good swordsman. And she's like, you have never proven that. So he doesn't have enough to rely on. He has been missing for 10 years. He has, he has to play up the theatrics so that people take him seriously. And it works, I would say, 90% of the time. It works for, now. it works probably 50% of the time. I think most golds can see through him. But especially Virginia knows better. He also says he likes to gamble on shock. Which I think is interesting. So what do you think about that as a tactic for him long term? I guess we can't talk about anything moving forward, but like up until this point, up until this point, he's not just doing theatricality because he's a person who likes theater and attention. He's doing it for a purpose. And would you say that it has been effective or not effective. Yeah, I would, I would say at least to this point, mm-hmm. it's been very effective. Like he's, he's gone from this total nobody coming back from the belt after 10 years um, to now he's leading arguably a larger portion of the society forces than Atlantia is. Yeah. Well, that's what do you think his why is at this point? Like, as we see it from his perspective, what is his why? (laughs) Yeah, he... Difficult question. Uh, I would say his why is... Like, he thinks that it's, you know, make the world better. Make the worlds Mm -hmm. better for everyone. Um, But I think in actuality, it's make the worlds better for gold again. I I was going to say, I think what he's convinced himself of versus what his actual thing is exactly what you said, Crescent. Like, he has convinced himself he's doing this for the greater good. I think he's, I don't even know if he's doing it to make gold better or just his place, which, I mean, is there because of gold. But I think he very much is in that, like, the loon should be on top. Or else he has the ability to, I mean, he's not going to back out Atlantia. There is so much he reveals to so many people in this part about how he's not on Atlantia's side anymore. But in saying that, he could back Diomedes. He could back Atlas. He could back Julia uh, Bologna. I think, I honestly think Julia at this point would do for gold the best job she seems to have the one she's less about herself i mean she is a little bit 
but she is more for gold than anybody else is. So I think oh, Preston sure. nailed it there of he believes he's doing it for the greater good, but I think he is very selfish is his why. Um, yeah. And more for himself. I don't even know if it's for gold, but gold at the very least. Well, and okay. then I think too, he like with his theatricality and, you know, thinking that he's trying to make everything better for the common man, you know, he takes and he takes and he gives his white cloak to the hell diver. Yeah. Um, that's, that's pure showmanship. Okay. Like mm -hmm. he manipulates like oh, the, the theatricality while it serves why, and it is an interesting tactic and sometimes strategy, um, it's manipulative. And this brings me to my next sort of like ponderings and question in, because I can't lose this opportunity when we've got Lysander on the table, but yeah. you know, Darrow as an unreliable narrator, we see the questions of like, where are like anger how is it can righteous anger like win the day and is what what are his actual motivations when they're born of such pain and suffering like can they actually rise above that to like a greater good from the tearing down to building right like there's there's questions that arise from Darrow being an unreliable narrator and uh, I would say that those have uh, that kind of unreliable narrator stance has evolved to even more unstable ground with Lysander. Yep. So when we're getting his POV, do you trust his POV to be uh, comprehensive or do you take it to be like, this is a surface layer? And there's probably other things that like are below this that we are not getting. Where where do you kind of fall with that? Oh, Feel yeah, free to no. expand. There's there's no way his his chapters are like this is everything, right? Like he is so much subterfuge politically anyway um, that there is no way that he's telling the reader everything. Yeah. Like he's so, he's so duplicitous that I would be absolutely astounded if it's just like, oh yeah, no, like what you see is what you get. Yeah. Yes. I find that to be, I find the discomfort in reading and listening to him in the interstitial spaces like he'll say a thing and he will often then shortly thereafter contradict himself in action or in thought. And it, um, or undermine, contradict or undermine. And I think it is just fascinating because that gives me the, heebie-jeebies, and I think that that is the same kind of unstable mental ground. I think Mustang 
Virginia knows these things intrinsically, and that is the headspace that she is in coming to this negotiation. Would you, how do, would you think about that as an assertion? Thoughts? You want to take this one, Skipper? Oh my God, there's so many big words. Uh, yeah, like, I don't know. It's so hard to read him. and But I think as you say, like, he even calls it out of she has known him his whole life, almost. And so because of that, and he, she's clearly watching from afar of I've saw your address to the 200. So she has dissected it. I bet you she has watched it 300 times. And so when she yep. comes to talk to him, she knows what he's bringing. She knows the grandiose. She knows everything. And so, so, I mean, as the reader, we don't know everything, but I bet you she does. Um, and as we're cut, like going through this, like, it's very interesting to see the two of them hard against each other. And I bet we're not seeing everything. So, I, I mean, I come back to the unreliable narrator. Darrow, we know, is unreliable. Lysander, I would say, is unreliable. He's only telling us what he wants us to know. Yeah. Ephraim, I would say, is unreliable. Just he's fucking whacked out. Yeah, he's whacked out. He's got all that going. But he's also, at the heart of hearts, a con man. So a con man's yep. never going to let everything happen. Lyria, I think, is as reliable as she could be. She seems to wear her thoughts, her heart, her soul on her sleeve, but people are manipulating her. So she's as yep. reliable as she could be. Virginia's the one that hits me if we're going through all the POVs because she has the ability and I think we could trust her to be reliable. What she is re relaying to us is reliable. If she's not, I, I doubt she would lie to whatever this thing is, but she's smart enough to hide things. Mm -hmm. So yep. she's going into this and we should trust her and she's overanalyzing everybody else but she knows to keep things hidden. I don't think Lysander, I think he lies, but I think he also twists the truth. Like we know it's been called out and whether or not this is a continuity error or not, that Lysander claiming that his scar being from Darrow is or is not true. That he claims it is, but if you go back to Dark Age, the scar is not from Darrow. Like, yeah. that alone is he has warped his truth to the point of believing it. And that's what we're seeing through all of this. He is warping his truth to the point of believing it, rather than Mustang, I think, is taking the tr all of the truths and only showing us what she needs to show us. So when the two of them are meeting in battle, or not battle, but parlay, mm -hmm. what we're seeing in this point is the, and we will see it from both points, kind of during and then after, but 
what Mustang needs us to know versus what Lysander wants us to know would be the difference between those two. I yeah. think that's I a think really good call out. Yeah. Present. Yeah. I think that Lysander, yeah, is giving us his truth, twisted as it may be, and Virginia is giving us a distilled truth. Yeah. An analytical, like, it's the difference between a a person who it's almost like they're <laughs> like Lysander is sensing these things. He's perceiving these things. He's maybe even thinking about them, but when he puts them out, it's been filtered so thoroughly. But for Virginia, the analysis is always the through line. Mm -hmm. And so you're right. She will. I think she does as a narrator totally withhold stuff. And so there are things about, you know, what she knows that we, we don't know. Like for instance, who her sources, we could only guess. Mm -hmm. Right. But with Lysander, we're never going to get the unfiltered truth. Right. right? I want to say that Lysander is a dick for flashing Darrow's razor oh, to yeah. Virginia. He's... Fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. Him. And then well that's where that's where she basically leaps into like you see that giant ass statue? Yeah. Yeah. That is that is consistent results. Dude, that is one of like Honestly, seeing Darrow through yeah. her eyes and her calling out his consistency is like low-key one of the sexiest things like for the their coupleness in the whole fucking series so far. Like mm. <laughs> if we're gonna talk and relationship we... shit. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Which um, we'll get into more we... in a second there. Yeah. Can I say that my favorite thing of all this, the bargaining between the two of them where so we know at this point that he he openly admits to her of I basically <clears throat> am not on Octavia's side and so I need the oracles. So we don't yeah. know we don't know what his plan is. Apparently maybe to well, I I hate theorizing. Hate it. We're going to do it. I'm guessing he wants to use it to see if she would flat out admit to killing his parents. Yeah. Um, but I would. I'm bringing this up because it's he wants the oracles that she says for a telemannus. So basically, it's doing the oracles for the telemannus, and then, man, I guess we'll throw Cicero in. Like Cicero yeah. is worth half of a telemannus if the oracles are yeah. worth half. Like she's just <laughs> willing to give Cicero back because she's like, well. Sure. Yeah, he's like him. no real value. Yeah, versus we get... He has a laundry list. He, yeah. he has a laundry list. And then she's like, and I'll take Max and we'll get yeah. off the planet. Thanks. Or off the moon, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I like the... The Oracle... The throwback, because... Last time we saw them was Iron Gold being yep, used. Right at the end of Iron Gold. Almost uh -huh. on Lyria. And 
Mustang throws a fit about that. So the fact that she still has tanks of them is interesting. Yeah. Inf I information wonder. is one of her ma major currencies. Yeah. I've always wondered if that's a continuity error. Mm. Yeah. It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if it's not. Um but, but because like, she she was so so vehement in Iron Gold that like I told you to kill all of them. Mm -hmm. And Theodora and Daxa were like, we're just protecting your family. Yeah. But now they're mm. gone back and it is a case of she is she thinks back to her tanks. So how yeah. many does she have? Well, exactly. Is it just two? Is it more? Is she breeding for purposes? Like, yeah. Yeah, did did she have Mickey make some after yeah. the Day of Red Doves? Maybe. Even though we don't know where Mickey is. Oh, you're right. I never even thought about that, the fact that we don't know where Mickey is. Yep. Yep, or Evie. Oh, yeah, Evie's still out there. There was a lot of theories people had that Evie was Ori. Yeah, a interesting. A lot of, yeah, because we can only have one pink in the series, two, Mateo. Yeah. Mateo and Evie are the only ones who can exist. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, where is the Lord of War versus child of war and then lysander tries to explain it well i have blah 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 because i thought that was an interesting dichotomy because basically she says darrow is a lord of war and you're just a child a child and then he's like well i have this and this and this and this and he goes on a list of like justifying himself of all these things that he has and all these <clears> things <throat> he's done and it just basically sounds like a petulant child which I always thought was an interesting call out. Like he self calls out and then uh, solidifies her point in how. Um, yeah. Cool. I, I mean, again, if, if people are um, watching this and they're not in the den, I want to encourage everybody to get in the den. And then if you've read Lightbringer, which hopefully you have, because you're here, the next thing then you got to do is you got to go to the Lightbringer thread. And you just, I, you know, go start with uh, Dive's little analysis yeah. of this section, because in terms of the one-liners and, like, the energy that Virginia brings into it, he just knocked it out of the park and put it as concisely as possible. And, and that's the starting point for all discussions the end and the end uh, alpha and omega, shall we say of the discussion on the one liners and the quips and the takedowns. Cause she just, uh, you know, nothing John snowed Lysander basically this entire conversation. Pretty great. So, does that mean we go on to 33? So we get Lysander's point of view coming away from it. He's feeling pretty good about himself and goes into a party on the Julii residence. Pretty mad about that one. Pretty mad about it. Not gonna lie. Yeah. Yep. Classic Lysander. Yep. Because Apollonius is it, right? Yeah. Yes, so the Gamma gives him back his cloak. The Gamma's talking all slow while he does it. Foreshadowing, maybe. Who knows? Won't say anything in this part. 
Um, but uh, yeah, uh, it's a different gamma than he gave his cloak to, than is giving it back. And he's mm -hmm. going through kind of emotions yep. of honoring all these people. Oh, is this where he's talking about the different like crowns and symbols of honor and stuff yeah. as well? Yeah. Yeah, uh, the, like the civic crown and, and the and the grass crown and giving it to Pytha and everything. Yeah. Yeah, he is really one for some pomp and circumstance. I will say that. Yeah. I thought it was. I, I always find the throwbacks to anything you know, historical Roman culture, very interesting. Or like pulling, just pulling a piece of um, history in, in a way that then can be run with. But um, I thought that all the different crowns for honors was an interesting touch there. So I love to see that. I hate that it's Lysander and, mm -hmm. and his ilk in this particular yeah. particular segment. I hate the faux sense of <laughs> humility when he does not even allow his, um, his group to bestow the grass crowd upon him. Like, again, we're talking theatricality. The multiple layers of manipulation... And it just sits very poorly with me. Yeah. Although I love the symbology in this section big time. Also, I have a note in here that says, what a petty bitch with a statue. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, specifically blows it up. Well, yeah. I f Do you think he would have done it if she hadn't have called it out? Probably. Yeah, he still, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's it's, it's such an icon though, yeah. of the rising, like, or of the republic at this point, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yep. No, you can't. You know, you can't have it. He can't let anybody have nice things. Um. So the next parts that jump out at me is when he's talking to. Julia. Yeah, this is like, yep. I take so few notes. I have three notes walking into this because one I made on here. Lysander and Julia is one of my notes. That's all it says. And I think it comes from, we have an ongoing fascination that started when Salem was on here. And I don't know if we've called it out on the podcast after because I was editing and it's always interesting listening back to our conversations while we're editing where I go, oh, I have this point now. I have whatever. But Salem brought up two theories separate from each other. And when I messaged her, I DM'd her about it while I was editing. I was like, did you mean to do this? And she's like, no, I had not brought this up. That the theory that Julia is um, the informer to the Vox and a running theory that Julia is Mustang's informer. So should Lysander be trusting Julia? 
and I mean, these are all theories we have, but clearly puts her in so many places, puts her in, in front of the 200 in a very clear seat of power that she's the one who's supposed to be neutral, so is talking to all of them. Now we see Lysander trusting her with the information that he does not want to, like, that he wants the throne. He does not want an Atlantia there. We now see him talking to Julia about that. What hmm. are we feeling about this? I hope she flips, and I hope yeah. that it royally fucks him. I hope she flips as a reaction to Cassius. Yeah. Being who he is yep. in relation to things. Yep. But I also, the, the thing that strikes me about her specifically in this section, and that has been building leading up to this section, and as I've read this now three times, um, is how fucking certain absolutely dead certain Daryl <clears throat> is that Apollonius can be wooed in some way, shape, or form to the advantage of the Republic and how trepidatious Lysander is in how he Courts Apollonius. Yeah. The point of slighting someone like Julia. And then that in this section particularly is reinforced to me as they are the two of them watching Apollonius interact with these other people like he is other to them. Yep. And others in this world fit into the Republic, not into the society. That's just my thoughts. Yeah. Would I love to have Apollonius? <laughs> not on the side. Okay, popped up. Oh! <laughs> Oh my, that's a whole nother conversation for a completely different venue. <clears throat> yeah, that was that was a conversation that I think we had in Iron Gold. Mm-hmm. And he works, shows up all... And my favorite thing is he continues to get called out as... Uh, Mustang does this when she's describing Lysander of the two classically handsome men are Cassius and Apollonius like calls it out um yeah I don't know it's all all very interesting to me I'm gonna keep saying it the difference of what we've always seen in the rising and now the republic being together and society just not quite at each other's throats but not there's a whole bunch of Splinter factions. Yeah. They're all out for themselves. Every single one is out for themselves. And that is, I mean, Mustang calls it out, if gold's going to destroy themselves. Um, and we see that a lot in this. 
um, with Apollonius, with Julia, Julia being slighted on in order to serve that, what Lysander has to do between everybody to keep his position. Uh, it's very interesting. And also, like, call out of Tharsis. Wait, I want... Oh, yeah, go. I want to go, because right now we're in the Julia part, and, like, yeah. the whole thing, what you're saying about Julia. Um, yeah, go for it. Okay, all right. So, first of all, they're talking about Apollonius and his face, and, you know, they're basically othering him. And, and then she makes the comment, I've never seen a man... Uh, I've ever met where his exterior matches his interior, right? Yes. Like, yep. so they're referring. To, and then take Cassius for instance, such a strong outer chin, which is first of all a hilarious remark. Yep. Uh, that like wayward chin. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, her eyes dart to me. I have no idea what she actually thinks of Cassius. Mm-hmm. Yep. So both the the apple um, uncertainty and the Cassius uncertainty in three lines. Yes. Yeah. I, I, was, I, was, I knew that it was all right there. Yeah. 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 We don't really know where Julia sits in any of this. She is her own player and a major player is what we're forgetting is that she after, right? So the loon, the Augustus, the Bologna, like they are the three kind of main families. A grimace yep. is up there, but they are always in the shadow of the loon. Um, the rest don't kind of lay, especially to Mars. I don't know. Like when we get into the solar system, obviously the Ra and whoever else. But uh, yeah, it's very interesting, this part. Very interesting. The other thing I was going to call out just before was about Apollonius, of the fact that he does not seem to be grieving Thoracus. Like, that's called out specifically if he hasn't said a word about his brother. Uh, so it's that alone of even family bonds seem to mean nothing to these people. Seem to. And I wonder, you know, in this particular instance, it's Atalantia that is the bad actor there. So we still have no idea in this stage, like where this is going and who will end up as the major power players. But yeah. certainly that, that positions Apollonius in theory against Atlas and Atalantia. Like he's here on Lysander's behest, not on theirs. Yeah. Yeah. The next major point that I have is where he is so brazen to propose an iron rain on Mars in three days. Yep. With with Diomedes, who's like, excuse me, what? Like, what? Because <laughs> like, he wants the two of them to fall together, right? He's talking to... It is, I'm not going to lie, when he said that, and I didn't know that he was then going to be poisoned mere pages later, I was not feeling comfortable. Yeah, it's like, the, this could potentially be 
backbreaking for the Republic. Yeah. Kavik's pun intended. Oh, boo. Sorry. Um, yeah, and like immediately after he makes a truce with Mustang, it's like you can't you can't keep your word for 12 seconds. Yeah. Like. He's like, oh, she's in retreat, which I did say that I would let her do unmessed with. So uh, we will wait till the very second that the last ship has retreated. And then we're going to iron rain that bitch. Yep. And three, two and go. Basically. Yeah, firing star shells past the retreating ships. Yeah. Yeah. Smarty. I, I really hated that the first time. I mean, like, subsequent times, too, but specifically. Yeah. Right. Do, do you think he came up with that on a whim as he was talking? Because that was with Dido, right? Yeah. Do you think that he came up with that on a whim with Dido, or do you think that he was duplicitous in his negotiations? I think he was duplicitous in the negotiations. I think oh, yeah. he went into the negotiations knowing what he needed in order for the next steps. Like, I think he is smart enough for that capacity. Um, I think he can probably read Mustang just as well as she can read him. Like, he is highly intelligent. He just hasn't had the chance to refine those skills. So I 100% believe that that was his plan. And he is just the scum of the earth. The scum of Mars? Scum of, scum of yeah. the moon? So, scum of the solar system, maybe? Yeah. I feel like we shouldn't bash uh, Earth at this part. Yep. Yeah, the Earth has just been beaten down. There's nothing left. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the scum of Loon. Yeah. Um, at this point, we have... Um, Diomedes not engaging with the pinks and that being a point of reference from Dido Lysander taking it literally and um, and then her saying oh no he's actually looking at the flowers but then we have this uncertainty put in like why is Diomedes not like this Big old manly man mm. archetype of a typical, daddy. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, well, why is daddy out of me? Daddy, see, it gets t tripped up on my tongue. I don't like it. Daddy meaties just works so <laughs> much. You having a daddy out of me? Exactly. Okay, it sounds like a medical procedure. <laughs> <laughs> he is very clinical. Um. I do enjoy, though, I'm going to throw back just outside of Daddy Omnis, Daddy whatever, um, the pinks in this, and this is, I think, because I've taken or, uh, aerial um, arts and stuff, of them on the silks coming down. Like, it is very cool, that part, like, mm -hmm. of that. It's not just that the pinks are used for pleasure, if you will, but these entertainers that are on the 
things, which I mean, yeah. though, are then coming down, giving them whatever, but going back up the silks. Like, I find that interesting. But then I do like that it's like, yeah, he's out smelling the flowers. No, he's literally looking at the flowers. And it is because yep. he is a class of his own. Like, I don't even... He he is the opposite... Well, see, Cassius is getting better. I can't call him a dolphin anymore. But he is the opposite of when we met Cassius. Like, I don't even want him on vacation. I want him straight to my house. Like, bring him home immediately to meet my parents is uh, Diomedes. Meet, like, meet your parents? Meet, meet yeah. your parents? That's the first thing you I mean, Yeah. What? <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Real yeah, quick, like, Daddy v. Daddy. Oh. Okay, now you've pushed. <laughs> oh, no, I don't like this anymore. Uh, but yeah, like... <laughs> Diomedes. I can't even say his name anymore. We've butchered his name too far. Uh, just, call, just call him. Just call him Dad. <laughs> <It's fine. laughs> oh God, we've hit this point. Um, as you said, I haven't he even is touched the... my second drink. It's just sitting oh there looking God. at me. Um, as you said, he is. You know. The manliest of the man's. He's one of the top three uh, Razor Masters. The other one being... I'm just ignoring you, Badger. The other three being Darrow and Cassius. But we've known this whole time that he has something different in him. We know he's got honor. True honor in comparison to the rest. <laughs> if you are listening to this and not watching, Badger is having... Highly recommend full... switch over at like the two hour mark. <laughs> Full load freak out. Yeah. Mm, it's just too good. Okay. <laughs> Get it together. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's just very interesting to see him interact. And what's like, Dido has something to say, something about how mm. he's either not as sensitive. What's the quote? He's not as sensitive as he seems, or he is sensitive. Like, He's more sensitive. He's more sensitive. Yeah. I mean, and then he goes and proves it. He goes, he makes the comment about, um, we don't have these. What are they called? I pause. Then Lysander says, the vanquished foe. His eyes darken and he examines it for a few moments before standing in disgust. A bad name for a mediocre flower in a meager garden. And then compared to your horticulture, it must be. He turns to me stone-faced. How is your heart? Yeah. He goes from talking yeah. like shit about the flowers in Victor's garden to like just being like, and by the way, your bestie just died. Yeah. How are you? Who was yeah. probably the first person to ask. Like, as far as we know, nobody else seems to inquire in that capacity. Yeah. Good job. He's been to therapy. There's no therapy in space, but there is in the rim. That's what we're learning. The rim has therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it it literally uh, says here, no one mourned Tharsis either. I'm not even. I'm not sure even Apollonius has brought him up once. Yeah, there's my. So it straight up calls him yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. 
Have y'all gone into a, because um, very shortly, like very quickly, we just jumped to him getting poisoned and then Kyber's around and then Kyber's around. And I, so first of all, there's the poisoning. So just that obviously exists and needs to be dis- at least touched on. But Kyber is scary as fuck. Yeah. Uh, have you been audiobooking it or reading it? Audio. Yeah, her voice in that moment is. Yeah. That's some hardcore shit. Dude, I <clears throat> would be intimidated by that, that person by a lot. Big time yeah. scary. Um, I, and I do wonder, you know, because Lysander has quite a few grays around him between. But Kyber is a gray apart, interestingly, yeah. right? Roan has like a contingency of grays that he brings to the table, but Kyber is just always this lone, lone actor of a gray around Lysander. And I just am very curious to see how that's going to play out. Yeah. Yep. So the lament sounds like a fun little side quest. Yeah. Uh, when this first happened, I was like, holy shit. Are we, are we losing Lysander right now? I am yeah. about to throw a fucking party. Like. I knew it was too big to be true. Alas. So the last line in this chapter, in chapter 33, I am alone in a hole. A boy sobbing, I want to die, I want to die. And the note that I have is that it's like, wow, that feels like an interesting fast track to some of Darrow's experiences Mm -hmm. that he had when he was literally in a hole. Yep. Wanting to die. Yep. And so I pinned that wanting to see if anything would come of it. But I just thought that, you know, as we have character foils here that that was an interesting note um because it's not that's a pretty specific reference to make alone in a hole yeah for sure this is the part though where he talks about how the mind's eye should protect him from poison and he doesn't know how to use it right or is that the next say no it's this section is he knows he's been poisoned and the mind's eye, but he doesn't know how to stop the mind's eye from poisoning him, which is like, it's a good call out of, he has this quote unquote magic power, but he's not fully trained in it because he only got till he was 10 years old. He did not get the full thing. Right. And that's still, there's been several instances that included where I have thought to myself, Man, I would love to see, hopefully, or yes, when push comes to shove, that Virginia, who's had the whole suite of sovereign tools at her disposal, come in and really make a mockery of what some of these usurping gold despots think they have in terms of power over others. Yep. I would love to see Mustang clean house in that way. Um, again, I think it's in 
in Dark Age where she almost re reference she references the mind's eye in passing as if it's not even a big fucking deal to her compared to some yeah, of the other things. She calls it uh, Octavia's like psychomystic credo. I think. Yeah. She really so makes light of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my get, like, it would be slowing your heart is what would stop poison, right? If you can stop. Well, it would, it would slow poison. down the. Yeah. Um, but you don't want it to. Just the, I'm thinking of what the mind's eye could in theory do. And it's if you can fully control your body, then it's getting it to cycle through things, right? If you can slow your heart, you're going to, for the most part, slow any poison from getting circulated between the whole thing. Well, if we're leaning into the Bene Gesserit precursor to the mind's eye, then theoretically they can even change the chemical structure mm -hmm. of the poison by breaking down some of the, uh... Mm, the word is escaping noxious, volatile agents. Yeah, within the, the poison. That's the one. That's the one. Thank you. Volatile organic compounds. Precise. Yeah. Well, doesn't work out for them. Noob. Nope. Sucks to suck. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, which we then get, and I almost want to leave this to the end, but we'll do it in order. We get the Darrow, Virginia piece. <laughs> We get them to talk for the first time since Iron Gold. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had we've had Virginia talk to Darrow. Yes, but not she has vice sent versa. Messages. Yeah, yeah, she has been able to send messages, but and the fact that it is you know a video call one on one, uh, yeah. which starts so cute of before the. Because obviously you can't trust who's on the other side and they have all their codes yeah. and stuff. But he immediately is like, how is our son? Like, how is he? And then goes yeah. into the, which also hilarious. But like, I'm on team Darrow for this one of like, she, the question is like what came after our fun or whatever the question is. And he, yeah, what thing Go for it. What's the question? Yeah. So, uh, what was waiting for us uh, after your fun or after our fun? Confirm. He gives a code in return and smiles at the memory. Applause, innuendo, breakfast, bacon, and friends. And she goes, applause, you wish. I bet you, though, I don't know as much of the applause, but I bet you they were like howling for the two. Like, fucking finally. It's when you live in the house. With your, like, good yep. friends that you've been waiting <clears throat> for it to happen. Like, you do yeah, a you can see it. Shit. Everybody else can see it, but they can't see it's it. It's like yeah. living in residence. I go back to university of living in residence and, like, the quote-unquote walk of shame. But you're, like, super happy for that couple. And so you are cheer Like, I would bet there was probably some cheering happening. Like, she's like, you wish. Like, no, I bet a bunch of them yeah. are like... Finally, it fucking finally happened. Yeah, I'm Team Darrow on that one. I'm Team Darrow. 
Yeah. I love that it's low Mustang and low Reaper. I know. Well, and she calls back just before that of the boy in the lock. Either of us could be an enemy ruse, be a program, an enemy ruse. I think that's really interesting, given specifically where we are in, like, the the cusp of our technological age. We only have just the inklings of it, and it's quite powerful where we currently stand. So certainly... You know, all of these checks and balances and handshake like handshakes of information exchange to confirm feels even on I mean, even from when we first got this book in July to yeah. where we are now in November, the iterations of AI and um generative software that exists from then to now it even feels more relevant for sure um we actually have and we will never use this but uh enigma was playing around in the den and got it so our disclaimer that is done by a different person of the den every week he made it so it sounded like pierce he used ai so we have one that pierce is reading and one that tgr is reading and we will never use yep. those because we do not yeah, have no, that absolutely permission. Not. We are not using them. But it was fascinating wow. to hear Tim Gerard Reynolds do the this episode of Fade to Obsidian because and it sounds exact because there is so much in there. The like craziness that AI has become, you can make pretty much anything, never mind a thousand years in the future. Like that's a great yep. call out of how scary AI is getting. Uh, and so they need those, those codes, those everything, so that they can trust each other. Yeah. Um, I really like when, when she's talking about, you know, it doesn't uh, feel like that long ago that I sat atop my horse looking down at two men by a lock. Mm-hmm. Um, she talks about Cassius. But then Darrow is so driven he doesn't need anything else it's a there was a man who needed no witnesses to burn um and then it says that it wasn't love he awoke in me it it was fear but that is a part of love and uh that's calling back to the duke the duke fans who wants to fuck what they don't fear interesting interesting Hmm. maybe not specifically calling back yeah but... but Interesting. I also like she calls him dark, not in his features, but like in his soul. Yeah, dark in his energy. Yeah. The thing that I, so the consistency between how she speaks about him publicly and her inner monologue about him stands out to me where she's talking about his consistency and then um, she's talking about here his boundless competency. And I just feel like, okay, I think we recently got some insight from Pierce that Mustang is modeled at least in part off of the INTJ women in his life. Mm-hmm. All right. INTJ woman, I could say that that shit rings real true. Yeah. Like, it would be it would be extremely 
I could not, I cannot. Like, that's just, it's very, he writes Mustang so well. Yeah. I. It's just fucking mind-blowing how well he writes Mustang. As a woman, as a specific type of woman, as a stand-apart character that does not pull in personality traits or tropes from anybody else. And I think that this is such an intimate view into her mind. This is the po- possibly aside from the little, uh, like <laughs> heartrending scene that she has with Pax, the second most intimate view into Mustang's life that we get, and um, it just seems so authentic to me. Um, both to the character and in terms of like externally facing to women of this particular ilk, like so so good. Yeah. I do wonder. Um, here we have. If only we had taken <clears> this. <throat> Ecliptic plane back to Mars. And then um, five days ago is when they she had the parlay with, mm-hmm. with uh, Lysander. So it does lead me. This is again where I'm like leaning into the idea that maybe we're talking like weeks to a month instead mm-hmm. of much longer than that. Yeah. Just another timestamp note. Yeah. yeah, I like that she can tell pretty much immediately that, you know, I can tell he's not the man who left. He's older. His trial's etched into his features. Um, he has a terrible hairy beard. Yeah, she hates his beard. Yep. She hates it. Yeah, nothing grants wisdom like loss. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, but then she also calls out that he almost is like, oh, if we could have been there kind of a thing. And she's like, his arrogance. But then he takes yep. a step back and kind of, and it's like, okay, there's the growth. Like, he is still that arrogant, yep. I could have done this, but... There is growth within that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that we kind of get the flip of their relationship where she talks about, like, I sigh at my inability to describe the battle and violence that I've witnessed. Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, for 12 years, he's been this unstoppable machine of war. And you can't, you can't accurately describe that to somebody. Yeah, that part really stood out at me. Yeah. I agree. Also, that's where it kind of goes into the... um, The the Mustang-Darrow-Venn diagram, where this is how he has been, and I have struggled to not get to the same place that he has been while at the same time undergoing this same subset of circumstances. Yeah. 
now I, the circumstances are the circumstances that I face. Right. Meanwhile, the realization of what she has to do is dawning on her. And I find that actually pretty much all of the chapters in this section kind of have like a hallmark feature of being a hinge or a like a, a tube where you enter into the one and you think you're going straight forward, but instead you're going like this is such a this section is all set up for what is to come. Yeah. Because yeah. the direction, it gets all the momentum gets spun. Yeah. Gets spun here, there, and there. Yeah. For sure. Because this is the part we get the heartbreaking of you can't come home, basically. We have to, you have to go um, and get us ships. Like, it is a very heartbreaking no. You can't come home but that sets us up for the rest of the book of why he goes off somewhere else <laughs> yeah yeah like this is definitely um kind of the impetus for the the latter half of the book mm -hmm. and, the... and bringing up that the uh he brings up that the daughters of Ares. i don't know if it's you know on her half or his pov that the daughters of Ares exist that we've got to mm -hmm. go after, you know, if Quicksilver can't save us, they might <laughs> be able to. In the end of this chapter, chapter 34, you know what I told myself out there? Each time my mistakes compounded, I'd say, Darrow, next time you listen to Virginia, you jackass, if you get so lucky to see her again, you listen to her as you should have all along. I'm not saying you're always right. But I know I tend to shut down sometimes for years. That's not right. It's not the path I want to walk anymore. It's lonely and we've always been stronger together. After all, we made our tribe together. We made packs together. Um, I feel like that, again, rings very true to, um, you know, looking around both within my relationship, but also external of my relationship. Lots of friends with kids. And I'm oftentimes find myself in the position of being equally friends or even more so friends with the <clears throat> man in the relationship than with the woman in the relationship. And the central theme of looking at the children as like a, like this is, it's an interesting when I feel like it's it's interesting, like when men look forward to the future and look forward to action and look forward to relationship with partners, future forward. The a, a very interesting framework for that goes back to like if there are children, like our child. This is the this is the proof positive. <laughs> Right. Right. That if I first of all, this is my this is my love. This is my child that I love, which we saw in the beginning. This is also the proof positive of the relationship. This is also the, the future forward viewpoint. And it's an interesting 
not necessarily maternal way of or nurturing way like it's not the maternal or uh, feminine energy view of children but it's a very interesting masculine masculinized view of centering a child in a the relationship and b moving forward and i think it's it's also interesting in the scope of the book um because pax is largely off screen off page in this in this book we get our one glimpse so far of him and that's all we have to go on after Dark Age. And it's very poignant how both of his parents have related to him. And I, I wonder, um, as you're reflecting on how Darrow is relating to him here and how Darrow is relating to him as he's like contemplating Path to the Veil, um, where you view Pax as a motivator for Darrow what are your thoughts I always think like as much as when we see them together it's like Darrow doesn't know how to be a father his touchstone his grounding piece is Pax's key and so I think that is what at all times when it comes to motivation when it comes to anything it really is that like I don't think he knows how to be a good dad but he wants to be. And through mm-hmm. all of this, it is, you know, okay, I should have listened to Mustang. I should have, you know, not done the shit in Iron Gold because he should be riding grav bikes with packs. He, you know, he's got that key and it is his grounding point. Yeah. Um, Do you think Pax, all right, Pax is obviously a person and they have a relationship. Do you think that Pax also stands so strongly for something else for Darrow that it's almost like apart from his relationship, do you think that it's both things can exist at the same time and it's almost like the dichotomy I would, or the uh, comparison I would draw is like Darrow ver- is the Reaper versus Darrow is Darrow, right? Yeah. Is Pax is Pax Pax actually, or is Pax a symbol for something for Darrow? <clears throat> for the future, that's the only thing I can think of of like that mentality of make. I think every most parents have that of can I make the future better for my child. And especially with Pax, like, being half-red, and at least Pax embraces that he's half-red. Okay, so if Pax is fully red, what world would he be raised in? What does that look like? I don't know if Darrow is thinking that in advance, but he clearly is for his nephews and nieces. We see that with Rona when we had her, that it's this, like, protect her, keep her safe. What does her future look like? Um, Pax, I assume, you know, I don't have kids, but that's what I feel for my nephews and nieces if you want the betterment of the future. And so, yeah, there is Darrow, the father, wants his son to be raised in a good environment, but the Reaper wants 
you know, the future of this solar system to be good for all people. And that would involve his son, who really, his son really wants to be a blue at the end of the day. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Really blazing his own path. Yeah. In his own, and in that way, very much living up or like embodying the ideals of the Republic mm-hmm. because he's choosing his own path outside of his color, yeah. like birth and what would have maybe been his color. Yeah. Um, so, what do you think about the plan to go to Quicksilver? I mean, I mean, Virginia is definitely right yeah. that Quicksilver will only listen to Darrow and Severo. <clears throat> like even, even, in, even just Darrow. Um, like we see in Morningstar when Severo is interrogating Quicksilver and he's like, nope, nope, fuck you. You're bad investment. Yeah. Like, and then Darrow shows his face and he's like, all right, let's do it. I also found it really interesting, the whole Lyria part of they bring her up. And Mm -hmm. I was, in fact, worried of what would, and we will see whether, what comes to fruition. But what Severo and Darrow know about Lyria, what will happen to her? Because, like, yeah, the, the mothers are have reconciled with Lyria's participation. But, like, they had to bring it up, so I guess that it didn't accidentally come up, but you've almost set her up for the fathers to be like, who the fuck are you and what the fuck did you do? Like, that drop, it's like, both are like, all right, you've protected Lyria, but at the same time, now they know. (laughs) Like it's a very interesting call-out. Yeah. Don't we get a reference here? Virginia Stiff and Severo, I'm so sorry for what happened. Yeah. We dance all around again for the second time. And it is just fucking killing me at this point. Yep. Lord have mercy. Okay. Yep. Just yeah, feel like that needs to poor, be noted. Poor Sever. Yeah, is absolutely Sever at this point does not know about his son. Does not even know that the child assumes the child was born. Um, does not get to talk to Victor. Does not know. They at no point. We know at this. So they say that Pax is safe. I don't think they make reference to Electra until the Lyria part. So he doesn't necessarily 100% know in words that Electra is safe. Those never get said. Yeah. His other two daughters, three daughters, two daughters. Who knows? Uh, Yeah, Severo is just like, we wonder why he gets angsty in this book. He is the one character I would say has every right to feel every emotion and rage and do everything like, and you know, spoil just a little bit. We will see it 
but he has every right because he has just been, even by his own friends, for whatever reasoning that Virginia had, and I'm my assumption is that she would have talked to Victra about this, of what is the best path forward. Like, mm -hmm. do you want me to tell Severo that his son is gone? Uh, and Severo just is getting nothing from anybody. We feel for our boy. I feel for our boy. We get some insight into how adrift Darrow is after Mustang basically tells him that he can't come home mm -hmm. when he's musing and like the delicate music summon summons ghosts from my past and he's thinking about Lorne and he's thinking about Ragnar and he's thinking about uh, God Trees of Mars and all of these things from his past. I it it's almost a, a mercy to us as readers that we don't get Severo's point of view. Yeah. At, yep. You know, my goodness, how painful must that be? Because he doesn't even have any agency. It's almost like Darrow has, uh, next to unlimited agency, we see it falter here in this moment with Mustang calling the shots. But in large part, Darrow is the master of his own destiny and the destiny of many, many others. Um, but Severo oftentimes is riding the wave of momentum from Darrow. And now he's even doing it another order of magnitude removed. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting because we know Pierce has said he wrote a hundred pages from Severo's point of view. And I wonder yep. if this part would have been included. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the beginnings of Cassius's or we see a beginning to Cassius having empathy in a different way here where he is he doesn't have anything to return to really you know on mars but he is the person who is doing the most to keep the spirits from absolutely tanking the way that he's uh, sort of leading the two of them and as we exit this particular scene. And I just think that it's nice to see Cassius giving a shit yeah. about people that are not himself. Mm -hmm. Like, actively. Not just passively, not just giving lip service to it, but, you know, taking a moment to really be there for his friends in a way that uh, shows some growth on his part. Yeah. For sure. We also get the cute moment with Cassius of him becoming a knight again. He gets to be an yep. Olympic knight oh. again. Yeah, yeah, morning knight of the of the Republic. Yeah. We, we, he was morning knight previous, right? Yeah. Yep. Of the society. Yeah. Of the society. Yeah. And now he's morning knight of the Republic. 
Which you also get, though, Darrow is a little, like, bitter of, like, oh, she wants time with Cassius. Like, mm. calm down. Calm down, Darrow. Um, yeah. <coughs> and then Darrow mm. tries to um, give I... a, like, final plea of, like, tell my boy, and she cuts him off. <laughs> oh. Um, I like that Cassius asks Mustang, like, you know, did you talk to Lysander face to face? And then straight up tells her, like, you know, just because he wants to keep his word doesn't mean he will. Yeah. Confirmation that he is just not trustworthy. Well, and especially that coming from your um, legal guardian or guardian. Who knows about legal? Uh, but the guardian that raised you of like, I know what this child is. Right? Like, so when did that come up? I I mean, we saw it in Dark, no, in Iron Gold with Cassius's quote unquote death uh, of do not, you know, come to my aid kind of a thing. And then him going after Cassius has made it so many people through you know, Lysander agrees of like, yes, fine, I'll open the vault. But other than that, like for Cassius to be so open with that, that means there is stuff that has happened over those 10 years of like, given him that insight that I feel like a lot of parents might not necessarily have. Yeah, that's, I think, a good point. It's it's nice to have a Cassius insight there because, I mean, <laughs> it would seem as though some people have made it thus far into uh, reading Lysander's point of view. And, you know, I, I had written him off way back in Iron Gold. And some people are still over here saying, well, you know, let's wait and see. And the notorious me, Merlot slink. Is that what you're talking about? The Merlot slink bet of whether or not he will get redemption? Merlot. Uh, and and there are also others, but yes. Yes, and there are also others in the community who uh, want to, you know, give the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And in this instance, I think this, is, this particular call out is uh, relevant. I mean, it just it just confirms my point of view further. So um, I will just say that. Yeah. That it really, I feel like it very significantly confirms my point of view at this point and and my stance on Lysander. Yep. Are we done are we with at the? I think we're on chapter twenty six now. I think we are, 26? Lysander. Yeah. Waking up. It's really interesting how this is done, especially listening to an audiobook. Uh, everything is regular speed except for Lysander talking, which is really, I think, a cool insight of what a coma patient would feel like where they know what's happening around them in real speed, but they cannot react in that capacity. Yeah. 
first thing that I pick up on is, again, timestamp wise, we're eight days from the when the poisoning happened, mm. which is, I think, three days after Darrow and Virginia talk, yep. which is 12 days after the beginning of Phobos. Yeah. So when are you making us a timeline that I can look at? <laughs> I need yeah. one. I yeah, want Charlie Day one. I need a map. Yeah, I need a Charlie Day. You need a, you need a board notes. and I some, some and some post-it notes. notes and some red string and a cigarette and some vehement gesticulating. Yes. I can do that at least. Yeah, yeah. See I what like I can it. do. I'll see what I can do. Okay. All right, so we are, what, five days out, did you say? Eight days out from the poisoning. Poisoning mm-hmm. is taken eight days. We are slowly waking up, and it's all the greys that are around us. Correct? Yeah. And, and, Cicero and, yeah. and the, the scariest one of them all, Kyber. who is still, in my, in my opinion, Kyber is still the scariest. For sure. Yeah, fucking bold-ass speech yeah well like showing kyber being just a total badass yeah uh, when when they're in the middle of phobos and she just blows away the medikai that comes to test her ajax yeah and she's like oh i didn't know it was just a gut feeling yeah and this, this yeah. doctor had a had a suicide vest yeah a demonic voice rasped, step back from the blood. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So good. That, that voice on audio, like, DGR is in top form uh, with his crazy voices. <laughs> Truly. Yep. You know, when the way that Cicero brings stuff to him, you don't think that, like, shit's about to go down. He's like... What? He's Cicero is forever light. Like the day that Cicero actually like Cicero's giving young Cassius vibes. Mm. Yeah, no thoughts, just vibes. <laughs> totally. My favorite is there's no recollection in here. Like nobody comments on the fact that Cicero is held captive by the other side. Like Lysander negotiated for him to be back, and it's just like, yep, you're back. <laughs> that's it <laughs> it's you that's cool <laughs> yeah eight days down that's great that's great glad you live in life my guy Cicero's back man probably looking yeah. at all the big doors yeah I like that we're not quite halfway through Lysander's prescribed recovery period yeah and they wake they wake him up they're like you know you might die fine yeah. We gotta tell you this, though. Yeah. You might die, but we need to tell you this. Yeah. It took eight days for shit to fall apart, but it doesn't fall apart because of internal squabbling. It falls apart because... Yaskamani. Yaskamani. Mm. Fa. Pirates! Yep. Space pirates! I kind of want to be a space pirate, but you know. Maybe not. So. I don't know. Are you Orion or Fa? Oh, I'm Orion. 
Thank you very much. Until like the end like where she went crazy. I don't want to be mm -hmm. a Ryan then. Um, we know um, we got two different references to the bread basket-y horticulture forward part of the of the rim here. Mm -hmm. And of course, we know that the rim being so far out, um, what they have is very precious to them because they cannot trade and barter and, and exchange goods in the same way that the inner planets can. Yeah. And, and so I just think that that's really important to point out when you have um, a threat. It's not the same kind of threat like you can do siege, you can do um, warfare in the inner planets differently than you can in the rim. If you get cut off in the rim or if any one particular asset goes, um, a cascade happens a lot easier because yeah, it's such an individual part. Yeah. Important. Yeah. There's not redundancy the same way that yeah, there exactly. is yeah. yeah, in the inner planets. Um, so because of that, they're just like, there's no, there's no two ways about it for them. There's only one option. Yeah. What do you think about Lysander going with? I mean, I honestly, at this point, was like, I'm thinking back to my first read-through. It's like, I mean, it's that, it's it's going to stop his quest against Atlantia, except for allying with the Rim may make him stronger. But also, I just really wanted him, you know, we thought he had found friends in Ajax. Ajax is killed off. Now we get Diomedes, who... I mean, is Cassius to a higher level? So maybe he can be, like, a good influence and just, like, continue to partner with him. Like, I was kind of happy for that Lysander-Diomedes partnership of, hey, you can learn something from this guy. Uh, and I also, like... I don't know. Lysander is trying to partner with so many people that that is the one person that if he, it seems like a good partnership. Mm. I understand where you're coming from. And respectfully, I oh. hated it. Oh. I hate it. And I want desperately for, um, for it to fall completely apart because Diomedes it's like I mean at this point there's no reason like Lysander arguably he's like kind of making some good moves with the way that he's uh positioned himself against Atalantia and so I can totally see why Diomedes is one over to his side and I'm all for that like I get that and but still, like, taking it for exactly what exists. I hate Lysander. Yeah. I have hated Lysander 
to the my very bone marrow since iron gold and yeah. even still at this point i do not trust him i do not mm-hmm. uh i do not believe in any sort of righteousness on his part i think he is certainly a man of ideals and his ideals are 100% morally bankrupt and I hate to see Diomedes align with that because were Diomedes mm. to have any kind of insight to um, the true nature of Lysander's character, which we've had some glimpses of, but not much, but still we have had enough that I think that the, the bigger syllabus for what he wants to accomplish is sketched out we get it we get a picture of it if diomedes knew that shit he would his skin would crawl his skin would crawl off just as much as oro skin sloughed off in the nucleus yum my favorite yeah so i think we're coming at this as i'm looking at it from what is best for lysander and you're looking what is best for diomedes and i agree with you with that Diomedes is the best thing to do is not trust Lysander, leave him in the dust. Do not partner yeah. with him. So I am I'm in agreement with you on that. I just think I'm not a Lysander apologist. I don't think he'll ever come back, but a tiny bit of me hopes because we have to deal with him so much that because it's versus <laughs> Atalantia that at least between the two of them, I want Lysander to come out and therefore partnership with the Rim and that honor, you know, that continuous honor. But I, I, I agree with you 100%, but I understand why you don't agree with me. Like, I right. think well, the twofold, I, right? Yeah. Like, I agree that Diomedes should not be trusting Lysander, but Lysander trusting Diomedes is a... I stopped giving Lysander empathy on my second read of Iron Gold. Yeah. What about you, Crescent? Do you Uh, still have empathy for him? uh, I think at this point, I was still, like, kind of hoping for redemption. Um, Like, him trusting Diomedes, like, having Diomedes around him is the only possible shot he has at swinging back into a decent human being like if he was to take who diomedes is and assimilate that into himself there's just the smallest chance that he could redeem himself totally i don't like it i don't like it but it's yeah that one's it's definitely the best option for Lysander. Yes. It's the worst when when I'm looking at this from the very most open-minded stance that I can assume given my own biases, that is the same work in that I am able to take with Lysander. It's not purely empathetic for him for who he is, but for his proximity to Diomedes, I can give him the barest maybe a pass maybe we'll see yeah yeah i got it 
what else are we uh, having? What what else is being uh, jumping out at you guys in this chapter? Uh, so the only note I took because I don't take notes is the ship is called Dragon Song because I just like that. I just love that. Classic. I know. Listen, I have a one-track mind. It was requested that I go through all our episodes and find every time I squeal about a mythical or cryptid. Like, I just want all the creatures. Anytime I yell about a creature. Uh, so we get Lysanders going on. And it's like a debate on which, which ship he's going to go on. Who is trusted on. And... Uh, and then we get Helios showing up being like, oh, he only gets ring 10. So it's a very interesting. I don't know. It's how the politics of the oh. show plays out, how everything of Dido versus Diomedes versus Helios. Helios, yeah. Um, very interesting. Rome does a little subterfuge thing mm -hmm. here. What do you think about that? Is this where she's calling her, or sorry, he's calling himself like top person of like, I'm the one who gets to. Yeah, the ducks. Well, this is where he says that uh, only 10. Yeah. He's like, he, he second guesses. Like, Lysander, I think, is willing to go with 10 or something mm -hmm. like that. And then Roan is like, what? Only 10? Like, what are you? That's a that's a slight somebody of his yeah. status. And then Lysander says something. Then Lysander checks him. And I thought that that was really interesting. a lot of interesting parts in this. I love like, the greys. In, yeah. In, in the second part, like the first part of the series, the first trilogy, I did not think much of the Greys except for Hol Holiday and Trig. But the second part of the series, I've really been won over to the Grey as an, uh, on both sides, interestingly. Yeah. Yeah, like it's really interesting, but Roan during this part especially... So when they're waking him up and they don't want to wake him, Pytha does not. And like, is he not the one who gets aggressive of like, Captain Pytha, you're not first officer. Uh, yeah. Yes. He said, yeah. Rowan is like, I'm the ranking officer on this ship. Yeah. Like he has a lot of standing up for himself, but having like, he really puts himself into the spotlight this chapter. And like you're right, standing up of why only 10. And I I don't know, it's interesting to me that a gray in the society would have that voice. Cuz again, the yes. society to me is like you're all I guess grays are mid color, but they're like low mid color. Yeah. Like but uh like I, if you if you remember Ephraim talking to Pax. Mm -hmm. He talks about how the guy, the gray that gave him his first burner was this guy and his, his cheek was all full of teardrops. Um, and it's like, this is the kind of man that even a gold would go out of their way to, to right. like acknowledge. Right. 
Yeah. But, and also this is actually a theme of this entire book. Uh, now that you bring it up, Skipper, I have often, um, this and a couple of other things, some, some previous and some ahead. And I, I won't mention it because the lines get blurred, but, um, I think the whole book individuals within the society undermine the hierarchy of the society in, in the way they interact with grace is one of the most hallmark ways that they do that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of they, Virginia notes that I think it's Virginia notes that Lysander's scar is gone and he actually has gotten some tears or something that marks the losses, his own losses. I don't remember specifically when that's called out, but at some point there's a factoid about that in there somewhere. Now that you mention it, Crescent. Yeah, very interesting and very, I think, relevant call out because the hypocrisy is super on display in this book, especially as as some of the higher ranking military and political officers um, that we get to see um, demonstrate camaraderie, peerness, um, hmm. right? They're supposed to be peerless, but they got peers. Yeah. And they, the, peer, the peers aren't gold. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I find the use of society mid to low colors always very interesting glorastes as an orange pytha like pytha is kind of still pushed around like we don't really see her put up into a you know on a pedestal which is very interesting on two folds of she probably is just as good of a pilot as Orion is. We know she can pilot the Lightbringer. We know she can do all this stuff. Also, she's kind of basically stepmom to Lysander. Like, she's the one who's been around the whole time. And yet, during this... And he holds her in some kind of a high regard. But then the Greys get to walk all over her. Like, it's just interesting to me of who the society deems worthy to have in their ranks to talk to and who Did is you just use the W word? You just used the W word. What, what W word? <laughs> and I'm like, what did I just say? You just said worthy. We're, oh God. God was... Worthy. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I've got the worthy rum up there. Should I start drinking that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just interesting of, yeah, who, who society deems honorable, deems respectable, their talents are lying in a spot that they can be used. Right. It's merit. Like how far is merit going to take you in a society where there's a given hierarchy and how much do even the people at the top of the hierarchy ascribe to the hierarchy and, uh, and there, and if the people at the top of the hierarchy don't ascribe to the hierarchy, then why does the hierarchy exist in the first place? Yeah. 
Well, and again, yeah. what happens to Glarastes is he is probably the highest orange we've ever seen. Thank and God. Now a pair of boots. Yeah, I, I really gotta say, like small uh mercy <laughs> on maybe Pierce's part or the editor's part, whoever's part it was, to not write that on yeah. page. Thank you. <laughs> I don't think I could have handled that, honestly. Yeah, that would have been a lot. Uh, but yeah, other thoughts and opinions on what's happening with Lysander right now? Um, I kind of like that basically Diomedes honor is riding on Lysander, not being a bitch. Yeah. Honor is a central theme in this too, at least as Lysander's POV would have us believe you know, for him, it's all about the core doesn't have honor, and so I have to go out there to prove that we do. But then, like, does he really? Have honor? He shot that... Alex in the head. Are we saying right. he has honor? Is that really why you're going out there? Do you believe that really? Do no, you... I think we. I think we get back to what Lysander wants us to believe and what is actual, like. I think it gets back to, yes, he thinks every, him, like, us the reader, not that he necessarily knows we're reading this, but however, why ever he's putting this down, um, those around him, everybody, he wants them to think it's for honor, and I think it's for the glory, I think he needs to know that he is an ally out there, I think he, maybe it's a debt to be paid if I go with you and I protect you in whatever capacity, he thinks that the rim will then owe him something. But I think it is, it gets back to what he wants us to believe, what he wants us to see, and what is truth. So you said that the perception of allyship and also the potentiality of a debt being owed are his underlying motivations. Crescent, do you have anything to add to that? No, not really. I think Skipper just kind of nailed it. Yeah, I think so too. I'd say also the ability to be there and assess firsthand yeah. maybe what actually exists in the rim and to see firsthand the assets, the vulnerabilities. You know, he's going to be on a rim ship. I don't know if anybody from the core at this point, a major player has been on a core ship we know, or on a, on a rim ship, we know the rim ships are faster and in some ways more advanced than the core ships. Yeah. And so he's going to have insight into that. Um, so I think there's, mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. The next few chapters are going to be some interesting ones from Lysander. Pen will suffice. Yep, that's the very end. Pain pounds my temple, raises snipers, though. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then the question of Fa. Yep. We're, we're leaving off on, on their boogeyman. 
Yes, yeah. everybody's boogeyman at this point. Mm -hmm. The third player in all of this, the unknown. Um, well, next week we pick up with Bottles and Puppeteer. We get the duo. Ooh. Yes, we do. The week after that is Meringue. And then Badger, you're back. You're pretty quick yeah. on the back-to-back -back this turnaround. time around. Uh, so we can... And then it's like, then I don't get to be back on until Red God. Okay, well, we'll have we'll have you between then and now, like after yeah, Lightbringer. We, we have ends, other stuff between <laughs> Lightbringer ends and Red. We don't even know when Red God's coming out. Um, we will have you. This eye. But yeah, so we will pause here. We will. It's it's a bit of we don't know what's happening. Darrow is off. To see Quicksilver, Lysander is off to the rim to see what's happening there. Uh, and we will have you back in, what's that, three weeks to deal with in more In the trauma. 40s. Yeah. To deal with more 46 to 50, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and next week is Bottles and Puppeteer, because Puppeteer has a... Uh, background in psychology so she's gonna walk us through some of this as well bottles will just get us drunk that's yep that's what's happening you better buy a bottle of tequila no no because that's what he wants and i will mm -hmm. not no tequila is entering this house ever sorry bottles i tried <laughs> yeah he got is really it... excited when we did the live stream and I agreed to a Long Island iced tea. And he's like, that has tequila. And I was like, yeah. And Fairly. 40 other things. <laughs> yeah. What is it about tequila? Did you have a bad tequila experience? I once drank 23 shots in one night. Why? Was it your birthday? It was my friend's 21st birthday, which means my nothing in Canada. It means not, it's not even, our drinking age is 19. Why we were celebrating a 21st to that capacity. No. And then the t I've had it then since then. I had it at my sister's wedding. I was forced into it. Uh, a year ago, I had two margaritas. And fell, well, technically sober, because it was only two margaritas, in a way that I had angel wing bruises all up my back. And then Bottles gave it to me at HowlerCon. And you can watch the video of me nearly puke while trying to down it. Like, I keep choking it back. I was, right, like, I was right there the whole time. Yeah. Wow. By the way, for the for those who are not in the den who were who want the burning question answered about when Alcatraz got her book signed, it was right before the dun dun. There you go. Which is yep. then like two before like one or two before me. Like we were We were signed Yeah, we were Yeah, we were all standing C? together. I think we were group C. So <laughs> we were really early on in the night. Yeah. Um, B C. It, B or C. Soft soft Soft, soft again. I think I jumped <laughs> the line and was like, "Friends," and like everyone came with me. I also claimed that night that I was going to re like take everyone's phones and did no, no, no. I only recorded me and you, Badger, and then I left and went to the bar. I don't know what happened the rest of the time. Salem talked to Joel. Crescent hung out with Piers. I went to the bar. 
I colored a cover have... sheet from Nerdy Ink. Oh, I have those. Nice. Oh, they I were... do too. Do you have them right now? Because I have them like in the next room. I have all the color sheets from I think, Nerdy I think, Ink. I think she can't hear you anymore. <gasps> yes. That's amazing. Iron Cupcake. I got them all from, and I haven't colored them yet, but I have them all. I'm so uh, glad I did. Yeah. I think you were one of the few people who like sat and colored. She talked. I think I was the only person. Yeah. She was like, this was the intention and nobody else did it. I have them all rolled up. Um, I'm very actually introverted. Don't let me fool you. Well, I'm very fooled by you. But yeah. Be fooled. That means I'm doing my job. Doing my gerb. There you go. All right. Well, thank you as always, Badger, for joining us this evening. All your insight. You are incredible. Uh, Thank you. See you in three weeks. Thank you guys for being besties. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to cheers to you real quick. Cheers, Bestie Crescent and Bestie Skipper. Cheers, Bestie Badger. I'm on to Scotch now. Uh, thank you everybody I'm done for, for the evening. listening or watching. We appreciate you. We are still on our quest for 200 YouTube subscribers before New Year's Eve. We are currently at 148 at time of recording. So 52 of you, we know you're following us on Instagram. We know you're in the den. We know you're probably listening to this <coughs> on Spotify. Jump over to YouTube. Give us a follow. We would greatly appreciate. Also comment. We love comments on YouTube. It's great. Uh, True. Good night, everybody. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to Fade to Obsidian, where Skipper and Crescent casually dissect the friendships, relationships, and those fade to black moments in the Red Rising saga. If you enjoy our chaos, please remember to like and subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. We are available on YouTube, Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram at Fade to Obsidian. And if you'd like behind-the-scenes content or to be involved firsthand in our chaotic decisions, subscribe to our Patreon for as little as $2 a month. For $5, you'll receive a monthly postcard from Crescent. Will it be one of the ones that we accidentally stole from Tulsa? I'm so sorry to Copperless. And if you're crazy enough to trust Skipper with maybe sending you a postcard, our third tier is $100 a month. Please don't choose this option. Lastly, make sure to join the pack in the Howler's Den on Discord, discord.gg slash the Howler's Den, where we talk all things Red Rising. Until next time, Omnisphere Lupus.